Turn my ear to choose your answer. Then push my nose when you're ready. Buzz Lightyear, mission lock, stardate 4072. My ship has run off course and moved to sector 12. The time is now on an evening very much like the one we have just witnessed. No, wait, Hook! I can explain! I didn't want to bother you, see? There was Walter Cronkite, and storyboards, and animators. Sam, are you about ready? Yes, it's a glorious three-hour finale. You got a minute and a half. <gasps> My friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 568. And I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best possible vacation experience when you go to the parks, but I also want to bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with my podcast, live video broadcast on Facebook every Wednesday night blog, videos, special events, audio tours, and more. Whether it is your first time visiting or you've been hundreds of times, if you're planning a vacation or love the history, details, secrets, and stories, there is something in the show for you because each week I'm going to take you to the, from the parks to the screens and everything in between. This week, Japan. And if you're a new listener, please go back and check out some or all of the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews, and more. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and find everything else at www.radio.com. So this is the show I have waited my entire life to record. Is that a bit of hyperbole? Maybe. But I have dreamed of visiting Japan since I was a little kid. It's about four decades or so. And being able to visit and tour Japan, not even including a few extra days at Tokyo Disneyland, with friends and members of the WW Radio family through our Adventures by Disney group, really was the trip of my lifetime. 11 days, dozens of locations, countless meals and snacks. Spoiler alert, it exceeded my already high expectations. So this week, we're going to go through part one of our Adventures by Disney to Japan recap including our time in Kyoto and Osaka and my favorite parts of this entire trip. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show. I'll have more information about upcoming WW Radio events, meets of the month, our WW Radio ornament exchange, your voicemails and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Since I was a little boy, I have always been interested and fascinated by Japanese culture, and I'm not sure if it started like when I was watching Ultraman or Speed Racer as a kid, or when I started learning Japanese martial arts from the time I was in high school, maybe it was watching Shogun, the TV miniseries, over and over again back in the 80s. Uh, maybe it evolved when I discovered my the wonders and the joys of sushi with my dad in the early 2000s. I literally still remember the very first time I ever tried it. But I've always been interested in the people and the history and 
the technology and, and the, the feudal period and the tradition, the respect, the educational system, the architecture, the antiquities and the cultures of Japan and ninjas, of course. Um, <laughs> and in recent years, I've learned a little bit about um, Japanese philosophy and, and integrating certain aspects of it into my personal and my business life. If you have ever been to Momentum or have been a coaching client, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Kaizen, I'm talking to you. But I've always dreamed about actually visiting Japan, but I never knew if and when it might actually happen. And then... Along came ABD, uh, Adventures by Disney, and Mouse Fan Travel for all your vacation planning needs. And when the opportunity arose to visit Japan through Adventures by Disney, I jumped at the chance. Um, and after the time that we had in China in, on our Adventures by Disney two years ago, it was an absolute no-brainer. And for so long, it seemed like the trip was so far away, yet it was something I was looking looking forward to and internally squeeing like a little 13-year-old girl as I counted <laughs> down to the days. And then it was finally time for the trip of a lifetime in mid-October. I was giddy beyond words. My expectations were exceptionally high. And it was finally time to see if they would be met or, in this case, exceeded. But, of course, this trip would not and could not happen alone and without the help of our friends over at MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. So I wanted to bring on some friends, some WW Radio family members and fellow adventurers, including some repeat WW Radio adventurers, to look back and try our best to recap what was an amazing two weeks in the land of the rising sun. So I want to welcome back to the show, friends, repeat adventurers, Meg and BJ Nodson. Hi. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. It just, it seems like yesterday we were in Japan and the day before when we were in China. That's right. And eating all the food. Oh, so much good food. So, so we'll, we'll get to that. It's good. We should have a separate show just about the food tour of Japan. Um, back on the show, staying up late in the United Kingdom is Martin Shergold. Ohio Gazimas. It is the morning here. So <laughs> <laughs> I still say that a lot. It's interesting your your British accent on top of your your Japanese. <laughs> I think most of them understood me. I think more than the Americans understand me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I still you know. I'm going to need a translator and yeah, like I, uh, for, for this episode. For <laughs> um, new to the show and new friend. Although we feel like we, I feel like I've known you for so long because of all the the adventures we had and the food that we shared in Japan. Ali Hom. Hi Lou. Hi listeners. It is good to see you. And of course, the show couldn't happen because I'm contractually obligated to, and she was there for them both, and she made it all happen, Becky Mankin from the aforementioned MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Konnichiwa. Oh, look at and, you. And just... you're only in for the sushi. I totally know it was contractual. We get it. <laughs> Which is interesting decimate. considering how little sushi, relatively speaking, I actually ate while I was there. Okay, uh, sushi slash every other piece of food well, that happens that's, to be in Japan. That's, that's something different. Yeah. And I am not alone. Part of the reason <laughs> why the rest of you are here is because you joined me on our culinary expedition through Japan. But look, a, a big part of the reason why I wanted, dare I say, needed you here is not just because we all had individual opinions and experiences about it, but there is so much that we did, so much that we saw. There's literally no way... I can remember it um, at all. And 
before we get into the the day by day details of our uh, eleven day adventure, um, like I said, this is something that was a long time coming. Something that Becky and I had discussed for a long time. When you guys heard about the announcement of the Japan A by ABD and that tickets were going on sale. What was your first thought? So, Megan, BJ, I'm going to go to you first because, again, we have adventured in the past um, domestically and to uh, to the Far East. We had just had such a great time when we were in China. I think the day Japan went on sale, I think I called BJ at work and said, are we free these dates? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got a, I got a call from work saying, hey, Japan trip, it's on. We've got to go. Uh, should we do it? And the answer is immediately yes. And it was based on all the experiences we had previously, you know, China, uh, backstage magic, the other, you know, trips we had been on have been so amazing. It was really, really easy to just say, yeah, absolutely. I have, why do I have a feeling the call, the call was more like, oh, BJ, hey, listen, this is Meg. We're going to Japan. <laughs> just FYI. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit more like that. <laughs> Yeah, I think you guys had responded within like the first five yeah. minutes after it went up. Yeah. So, Martin, what about for you? Uh, um, as soon as I saw it, I, I had to persuade the family to let me go. Um, well, that wasn't hard to let me go. It's actually the money side of it more than letting me go. Um, because they knew we've been going on and on for years about going to Japan. And my son is into manga, etc. And so it was the ideal. Ch- I thought it was going to be the one only chance I'd do it, especially with a, a group that would be able to help me get around where I wanted to see, you know, how I wanted to see everything. So that was really the way I looked at it. I thought, right, this is it. This is the one off last, you know, one final chance, chance of a lifetime. Let's go for it. But you, like me, went for our children. We did it for them as, right, for their <laughs> their benefit. Research um, trip. We always say that. It's a research trip. <laughs> and Ali, you actually shared with me a story that I did not know while we were on the ABD. Right. So this was my first ABD and being a subscriber to all the Disney emails, um, I'd seen that Japan was being added to the ABD and um, actually wasn't on my list of places to go. I've actually been saving up money uh, for a trip to South Korea because that's where I was adopted from and I haven't been back since I've been adopted. Um, So then once WDW Radio said that they were going, then my radar started to go up a little that maybe this is a good idea. Um, and I was actually one of the last ones to book the, uh, MEI travel agent told me I was the 30, 30th person. Um, and by that point I figured, well, I'm in this, so I don't want to lose my deposit money. So the money that I had saved for Korea, I put towards this Japan trip because something just sparked and realized this is a once in a lifetime trip. And you told me that story the first, I think it was the first or second day of the trip, and I was incredibly touched and moved and humbled that you would choose. And of course, the pressure was on. I'm like, oh my god, I have to make sure she has an amazing <laughs> right, time. <laughs> and Becky, obviously, you know, we 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 have been sort of talking about this behind the scenes for a while, and we knew pretty early on this was going to be a no brainer for us. Well, yeah, we'd been talking about, and I've been working with ABD for about five years on trying to get a, an Asia uh, piece together. And unfortunately, we weren't, weren't able to do it the way I wanted to between China and Japan. So we had to split 
the two into two trips, but I'm glad we did because we were able to see so much more of the culture from both countries and, and have those in-depth experiences besides just the theme parks. And I'm really glad that we did it the way we did. I couldn't imagine trying to do China and Japan together. There, there, there was so much yeah. in each and they're so they're such very different cultures too. It, it would have, I think, would almost had detracted from the trip to try and do it. Although I will tell you, if you go to China, Japan's right across the street, and vice versa. So if you're there, <laughs> just street. go. <laughs> Relatively speaking, it's across the street since it's on the opposite side of the planet. Um, and look, even before we got there, you know, we were counting down. We had the Facebook group. Um, Adventures by Disney sent us this awesome. A digital handbook with the itinerary, some common words and phrases, what to expect in terms of dining, what to pack. Uh, and for me, I didn't go too far in because I almost wanted the trip to be a little bit of a surprise. But tell me sort of about the, the leading up to the trip. A- any of you, how excited were you like as it started to get closer? Maybe what were the things before you went that you were looking forward to most? Um, so I was the exact opposite as, of you. When I travel, I like to research. Um, I like to look up all the places, look up the hotels, make my spreadsheets. Um, and especially since Japan hasn't been on my radar a long time, like it has been for you, Lou, um, I just wanted to get some more background information. And I knew that there would be so much on this trip that at least if I had some sort of general knowledge, then I'd be able to focus more on details once I had that basis. So I did some research beforehand and I'm glad I did because there were still surprises outside my research. Any one thing you were specifically looking forward to most? Um, to be honest, I thought Tokyo and Disney would be the highlight for me, but it was all those little towns along the way that I'm sure we'll get into that surprised me because um, I didn't do as much, much research about those. Megan, BJ, or, or Martin? Yeah, I'm like you, Allie. I looked at this <laughs> endlessly. I looked up every single restaurant that we were going to go to. I researched every single shrine. I, I looked at everything just to prepare ourselves for going. Um, I was really looking forward to, there were two cooking classes and two food tours in two, included in this. I was really looking forward to those. Those did not disappoint. Um, and, uh, and I was also really excited to see that we were going to be going to Hiroshima. That was a kind of a bucket list, um, location for me. And, um, and I was like, really looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. We spent a day going through the itinerary, um, just went out to dinner and just went through the whole itinerary. And I was really surprised at how much we were going to be covering on the trip. And so I was really looking forward to seeing the parts of Japan, that you don't hear so much about. You hear about Tokyo, you hear about some of the bigger cities. And when I heard we're we're going to Takayama, we're going to Bamboo Forest. Those were the types of things that I was most interested in because I had really no idea what to expect. Martin, anything for you that sort of stood out before you you even got on the plane? Um, I was actually totally the opposite. I didn't do anything. I didn't revise. So I really wanted to just be totally surprised by whatever was going to turn up because listening to how Adventures by Disney prepare them and present them to everyone. I thought, all right, this is going to be great. They'll do everything for me and surprise me every day. And that's how I took it. And I didn't really have any pre-existing elements to say, oh, I'm looking forward to that. I really wanted everything. I just wanted every single place because it's always been on my bucket list to go around there, um, you know, to see all sorts of Kyoto, say, um, Hiroshima was, oh, that was another one I really wanted to see. 
um, and then Tory Gates, etc. And it just, I just wanted to be surprised, basically. That's how I played at this time. Becky, for you, other than the Peninsula Hotel, was there anything else that you were really... <laughs> it was all about that hotel, dude. No, like you, I've been enamored with the culture uh, since I was a kid. And I, I don't exactly, I can't put my finger on it besides, you know, the Godzilla movies that I had to watch when I was a kid. But I don't know why, but that culture was really drawn to me, the, the geishas and the the food and the Tory gates and everything that was kind of surrounding about Japan. So you know, we had been there before just hopping into uh, Tokyo Disney sea at one point. I was really looking forward to not only seeing Tokyo proper, but seeing the, um, the, the villages and more of the history and uh, where that culture was kind of born. And I think this trip really accomplished those goals. All right, let's get right into it because we have a lot to cover and uh, in a lengthy trip. Although, our technically our adventure started before the adventure started. <laughs> Thank you, Typhoon Hagibis. Um, <sighs> literally, um, it was about twelve thirty the night before. I was putting together my last few things, which it translated means I was just starting to pack and get ready for my flight at the crack of dawn. Um, when Becky let me know that the flights were canceled and, and there was a lot of um, uh, organized chaos, as it were, as everybody sort of trying to yeah. uh, change their arrangements. This is where having a travel agent absolutely helps because it was it was very seamless. And really, there wasn't any sort of disruption in the ABD itself because of when everybody was coming in. We had to juggle a few things here and there, but it all mm-hmm. worked out. Well, for us, and that's one of the things I always tell people as well, is when you're going to do these trips that uh, that require a time change or require that you be at a certain time, a certain place, uh, like getting on a cruise ship, going in a day prior is a great idea. And we had our... Um, our trip scheduled to arrive day prior. So while we did lose that, that one day of acclimation, we didn't really lose anything from the trip. And one of the great things about Adventures by Disney is that they didn't skip a beat. Once we had, you know, some of us had booked flights with ABD. Others of us had done it outside of ABD. So regardless of how you booked your flights, um, they were right on it. We were communicating with them immediately. We were giving them information. They were re setting all of the airport transfers. Some people had to fly into a different airport and then take a train down to Kyoto. So they were right there. Their emergency centers were rescheduling people. So again, a a great testament to why you use a travel planner because you've got somebody there who can help you like texting you at midnight your time and saying, Oh, by the (laughs) way, we're not leaving in the morning. Um, Or I, I think I was on, um, on chat with Megan BJ trying to figure out where they were going in their flight. So between that and using a, a company like Adventures by Disney that is there to have your back when things go wrong, uh, that's the perfect scenario. Yeah, it, it gave us such peace of mind, I will say. Uh, we ended up switching our flight six different times to try to figure out how to get there. Ended up flying into a different city than we were originally planning to do. Um, but, you know, it everybody was looking out for us and one, you know, uh, making sure that we were okay. And, you know, flying into a typhoon is a little scary. And so to know that Disney was watching the storm and making sure that it was going to be safe for us really gave us peace of mind. Yeah. I mean, and especially you having been to China before 
I remember being in the airport and there was an issue with the flights. They gave us a food voucher. They said, go eat. We came back and everything was taken care of completely. Had they not told us, we almost wouldn't have realized. And that would have been a, a much more difficult task for us to try and do had it been on our own. But we get there. We arrive in Osaka and the Hyatt Regency um, Kyoto was our first hotel. I will go on record saying this was actually as as wonderful as the Peninsula and the other hotels were. I think this was my favorite hotel. Um, I was super excited when we checked in. Really? Uh, I love the hotel. We'll get to the toilets very very quickly. <laughs> Wait, all right. Let's let's be honest. Who went into their room, looked around a little bit, and then spent a good fifteen twenty minutes just playing with the toilets? <laughs> I'm the only one raising. My- okay, there we go. <laughs> For those of you listening at home, you'll understand I, what I mean. The Japanese I, toilets are like video games. There's buttons, there's fountains, there's music and sounds and heating. I, I totally know what I'm getting you for Christmas now. Just. Uh, <laughs> listen, there was a shop at the airport that sold them. And I'm like, no. yeah. I'm like, could this count as my carry-on? Would I literally be the man walking onto the plane with a toilet seat in his hand? Uh, <laughs> Kit Kats, toilet seats, why not? Very different than the Chinese toilets. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. That, that was a whole different adventure right there. But yeah, buttons and lights and things and yeah. Yeah. But um, we, yeah. we checked in. Adventures by Disney had a table there. We met our two guides, um, James and Tomomi. And this is one of the things I, I love about the Adventures by Disney. And, and I will go on record by saying, and Becky, I think you may or may not know this. As we were first starting to talk about this trip and look into it, I did do a little, you know, comparison shopping. I wanted to see what other tour companies offered in terms of accommodations, in terms of destinations, in terms of um, um, guides. And one of the things I love is I have no other way to describe than sort of being wrapped in this very warm, very secure Disney blanket. And that very much goes to not just it being an Adventures by Disney, but having the two Disney guides there. James and Tomomi were, are, but were like cast members at the parks too. And there is something, I don't know how to articulate it, but if you're a Disney fan, obviously you know what I'm talking about. There's just something about... The level of service, the how comfortable they make you feel like you feel like you're friends with them five minutes after meeting them at the table. Um, and it, it instantly gives you a level of comfort that I know I wouldn't have um, anywhere else. Um, and I and I felt that the second we, we checked in. Anybody else sort of your thoughts? Well, give me sort of that first day reaction when you got to the hotel, when you got to your room, when you inspected the toilet and when you met James and Timomi. <laughs> Anybody? So that's one thing I couldn't research beforehand is anything about the rides <laughs> or about the arrival and how that was going to uh, play out. And it was just so smooth. And, um, you know, they had a table there in the lobby with everything to go over all the handouts and everything. Um, and the guides were just, I think their standard for hospitality is above and beyond. So, you know, what seemed natural to them, um, and, and just basic hospitality, I just thought was, was excellent and did was very tight and warm in that Disney blanket. And the guides, I really, Oh, go ahead. But the guides even 
had done their research on us. They they uh, knew uh, a lot about us when we were checking in, and they knew way. our names within a. <laughs> I, I I would say within a few hours, they had already learned our names, and it was like welcoming us into the Disney family right away, which was which was super super cool to just know that the guides were thinking about us. And the other one thing, thing that's different about um, Adventures by Disney, too, that you find from other tour companies is we had their cell phone numbers. So they gave us their cell phone numbers right away. Um, they both uh, are from Japan, so they both spoke Japanese fluently. Uh, so you had that, like you said, that comfortable feeling uh, because you knew that if you ventured off and you got stuck somewhere, you had a card to give a taxi to get back to the hotel. And as Lou is like pointing himself and you also had their cell phone number. So if, if you got lost, if you need anything, if you had a question, they were always within reach, even if you were on your own time. Yeah. And there's something about, um, and I think because it was um, maybe because the group was made up primarily of WW radio listeners, family members, even though we ha- a lot of people hadn't necessarily met each other, a lot of us went to, I mean, what Becky and I talked about going downstairs to dinner together. Our dinner for two turned out to be a dinner for 14 very, very quickly because we, and we all sort of instantly got along. That it, the, the dynamic of the group was really um, amazing. It was something that, that had carried through um, the entire time. But let's start, we have to start moving on because there's a lot of days and a lot of meals <laughs> and experiences to cover. And I'm super excited to, get to what was day two in Kyoto, because I will tell you, spoiler alert, this was my favorite day of the entire trip. And I think I even told a few of you, as the day was going on, or maybe as it was coming to an end, my ABD could have ended that day, and I would have left happy. That's how impressed I was by... The, the city, and I, I almost want to use city in, in air quotes, but the, the city of Kyoto, our guides, the – yes, our lunch, fine, I'll get to it. The the experience that, that we had there, we started off the morning with uh, a, rickshaw, a rickshaw tour through uh, – and um, forgive me, everyone in Japan, as I butcher the language, the first of many times today, the Arashiyama um, and the Bamboo Forest – so when I first saw this on the thing, I'm like, oh, a rickshaw thing, this will be cute. It's just a very sort of, you know, typical American touristy thing to do. I had a smile on my face the entire time. I loved the quiet, quaint little streets of Arashiyama. It, it's on sort of the, the western outskirts of um, Kyoto. My guide was incredible. Um, what he knew about the city and the history and the culture and the way he engaged me in conversation, the way I know he did all of you, um, I, I did. I was just – I fell in love with Kyoto and, and this area very, very quickly for a number of reasons, and it was only magnified when we got to the bamboo forest. Um, it's something unlike I have ever seen before, and I will only – Analogize it it to something like seeing the Great Wall of China, where you can see pictures of it, but unless you're actually there, it can't can't convey what it's like. It was so serene and so peaceful, and I just was – 
so comfortable and and at ease the entire time. Um, Martin, you you were nodding. Tell me about your experience in the with the rickshaw on the bamboo forest. Uh, absolutely amazing. And also, you've got to remember that we had fantastic weather when we were just thinking about the typhoon and what was going to happen for us all. It wasn't something to uh, we were going to expect to see such great sunshine. And oh, um, it's going through the bamboo, especially the bamboo forest. Um, that was the highlight of my day. Like I say, that day was hard to beat because there was so many good things in a short amount of time. And I didn't expect half of them. So it was a fantastic day. Um, and then the food, like you said, the food was great as well. We'll get to that. But it was a great meal. We all had a great meal because that was our first meal together. And what a way to start. And it was a fantastic way to join us all up and chat and find out about each other in a lovely location. Oh, you just couldn't be it. Sorry, yeah, couldn't be it. <laughs> The, the bamboos, oh, geez. It, like you said, it was so serene and so quiet, even though there were uh, 15 or 16 um, rickshaws going in a in a row through the bamboo forest, but you could hear that sound of the bamboo moving against each other in the wind, and it, it was so peaceful, and I I loved that. I'm with you. That was one of my very favorite things. And my, um, we, I think we all had very good rickshaw drivers. You know, they, they Oh, yeah, we did. Pretty strong. <laughs> they were pretty strong. Um, but they were so funny, and their English was excellent. And um, Allie got to pick hers. It was awesome. <laughs> there were a lot of good options to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we talked to our guide while he was, you know, pulling us up a huge hill about, like, how many – you know, miles does he go every day? And it's, it's something like 20 to 26 miles every day. So every day they are pulling tourists a marathon. That's crazy. That's That's incredible. That's incredible. Well, you think also I was chatting, my guy was called Nabby. So um, I wrote that down just remember because I'm not good with names. Um, But he, he knew things like Harry Potter. And so (laughs) we're riding along in the, you know, the bamboo forest talking about Potter. And it's like, what, what's going on? But he wanted to know more English and like double-decker buses and all this stuff. And then he was telling me everything about the local culture and so forth. And through the little streets. Oh, and those little streets. Yeah. We could have got lost there for days just more looking around at the architecture and everything. You know, I'm so happy that we started in Kyoto. And we've been talking we talked about this a number of times on on the tour in terms of going back. Would you start in Tokyo and work back to Kyoto? I'm so happy we started here because I, I felt me personally, I felt like I learned so much about the culture very, very quickly from being there. And this might sound strange as as it sounds right in my head. It might sound strange coming out of my mouth. But even when we g- were going through some of the locations like the Bamboo Forest, there were obviously other tourists there, but it was very quiet. And I found this throughout throughout Japan, even in crowded tourist locations there was it was never loud right it was never like places sometimes here in the states there was just a very sort of low quiet gentle hum to it and even if it was crowded it didn't feel loud and noisy and the level of service that we were getting right off the bat and the the inability to tip um gratuities and tipping is something that you don't do in Japan I literally didn't know what to do for my guy. I was like, can I give you a hug or something, man? Like, can you take that? Because he was exceptional. He was so good. Like, even when we got out of our rickshaws into the bamboo forest, he, like in Japan, they don't tell you, oh, go here, go there. They take, he took us there and he took our cameras and took 
not just the sort of normal smile, take a picture, like went out of the way for all of us to take these very yeah. cool, like vertical panorama shots and, and um, teach us and ask us questions. I, I did. I loved it. I, I mean, I still sort of get this huge smile on my face about the experiences and about what I started to get in terms of um, understanding and, and seeing and experiencing the culture firsthand. But I totally agree with you that that quietness allowed you to take in the culture because that quietness allowed me to kind of people watch and, and just watch the people in their, you know, in their country and how they function. So I think that was the best way to, to, learn about the culture was through that quietness rather than focusing on all the noise that you'd get in a big city like Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah. And from there we did a, um, a walking tour of the Rashiyama um, district, um, which has, this is when we started to see the first of many temples and the Zen temples. Then the, again, I'm going to butcher the language, the Tenryu the Tenryuji temple, one of the, um, which had this beautiful um, garden and th- these forested mountain views. And, and we did, a, this was the first of many days of walking that we did, but I remember um, wandering through the, the temple area. And again, I'm trying to remember timing wise, isn't this where we were wandering a little bit and we found the, the graveyard, mm-hmm. the big graveyard yes. that overlooked. So we were able to sort of walk together as a group and then had a little bit of time to sort of spread out and wander on our own. And a lot of people went right. I went left and I sort of stumbled upon this, this graveyard and I shared pictures in the box people group. I'll share them again. It was in, it almost looked fake, right? There was this thousands and thousands of graves overlooking I don't want to even call it downtown, you know, over sort of overlooking the city, which has no buildings over five stories. So it feels weird calling it a city, but it was built pretty it was, high up on that mountainside. And yeah. it was beautiful, right? I mean, it was like that whole area was just right. And we saw women walking around in kimonos like it was just I just I did. I, I fell in love with it. I absolutely it was, loved it. It was gorgeous in a in a really serene type of way. But um, between before that temple, you missed the thing that made you squee. The the green tea ice cream. No, oh. the other thing that made you squee. Lunch was before that. And that was, was the place that had the beef sukiyaki. In oh, the, I haven't. Uh, I didn't, oh, sister. I didn't forget lunch. I just have the timing a little bit wrong. <laughs> oh yeah, you got the timing wrong because that was after. Because we needed to walk all of that off. Because I think it's we had a couple of people due to the typhoon that had to cancel. But yet their play settings were still out, and I think that you took care of that for them. Listen, I <laughs> felt bad. Three or four <laughs> different play settings of people who didn't show up because obviously that would have been rude to the Japanese people. Exactly. I I was here as a cultural exchange, and I didn't want to be rude. And they prepared all that the food. The American stomach lives. <laughs> but wait, tell me that was not one of your favorite meals because we went oh, to, yes. it was called. It was our first shoes off experience too. It was. Oh, and yes. it, it was, it sort of felt like that traditional Japanese meal with incredible views of, um, from the, the second level. I, I wrote it down. I'm probably, it was called an Obanzai Sukiyaki, which is you sat at, um, you sat at tables again, a, a shoes off. You sat on the, the tatami mats, 
and you cooked your meat and your vegetables. Um, was this this was the one over the flame, right? There was the, we yes. each had the individual flame. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when I say cooked ours, I mean I cooked mine, and then the empty table next to me, and I had some of Becky's because she didn't eat it, and then there was somebody else who didn't attend. So I mean I <laughs> ate a lot, but like it's awesome. That wasn't I- so much fun. I have a picture of you sitting next to me eating yours and then you sitting at the other table that was next to us eating the second one and another picture of you sitting at the third one eating that one. So it's, it's wonderful. It's like a progressive dinner. Um, all, all for in with his shoes off. Magical. Uh, I loved it. I, I, I tell me, I mean, yeah. you guys, the same thing. It was thing? great. It was good food. Oh, Jack, you remember the eggs? The eggs that were that meal as well? Oh, yeah. there were so many little bits to it. It surprised me how many uh, elements there were to the meal, and it was delicious. And cooking it in front of you as well, oh, I, just, I loved it. I loved it. Now, now, be honest though, because when I first sat down, and and you've got this bowl of vegetables and meat and everything sitting in front of you that's cooking over the open flame, and then there's an egg sitting there, and there's some things that you can't identify sitting I there. I didn't quite know what to do with it. I like sat there for a second and kind of watched all the rest of you trying to figure out how I should proceed and then how long you should cook this thing for. And then Meg, you were way out of my eye shot. So I couldn't figure it out from you. (laughs) And and so it it was kind of, it was discovery because, uh, you know, obviously this is a a meal that wasn't this one of the ones that they said that they typically do as a a celebration of some sort, or, or am I mixing that up with something else? But in anyway, I just didn't know what to do or how to, you know, attack this this huge um, place setting of four or five plates in front of you uh, to to make the meal works. I had no idea what was on the plate. <laughs> well, I mean, you did. I mean, you knew there were meats and vegetables because I think it's important yeah. to. I think because the one thing I too I think for people that are thinking about going to Japan or, or China or, or maybe another, another Asian country is I think that all of the meals were very accessible. I mean, there was yeah. nothing in there that was moving. There was nothing in there oh, that was God. incredibly yeah. scary. <laughs> <laughs> there were some that were definitely more adventurous. When we get to Grand Ma's yes. Attic, we'll, we'll talk more about what oh, yeah. some of those things were. But I know like Megan BJ, from having traveled with you guys in the past, you guys are relatively adventurous eaters. Like I think we follow the same philosophy. Like we'll try it once and if we don't like it, we can move on. Um, but there was never anything really that was sort of weird well, or scary. Certainly not here, too. For people like me, because you you always kid me all the time. I am not an adventurous eater. Oh, and- sister, we'll get to the sushi making day. Don't you worry. <laughs> wow. But what I was going to say is for those who are afraid of it, there was plenty to eat there. There was there was plenty that you can identify and that was good. And there was beef and there was chicken and there were veggies and there was rice. And so you don't go hungry, even if you're a picky eater. And this was our first meal together as uh, a, a full group, I, I think, other than the the breakfast buffets. And so um, it was great to see the whole room full of people just having a wonderful time talking together and trying to figure out the, you know, how we should best, you know, prepare our food and, and eat the food. And so we had Martin and Allie at, at our table and, you know, gosh, we were all just, you know, just captivated by the food and talking about it and we really at that point it was like gosh we're we're really going to hit it off with everyone because this is just a fantastic group so that was like the perfect way to start the trip yeah and it and the and 
like many of the meals, it felt like like a family meal. And again, even though some people didn't necessarily know each other, I think you're right. I think we got along very, very quickly. Um, something else that we did that day, and again, the order of of things might be somewhat out of out of order, but I'm happy we got to the food so quickly. Um, we did a walking tour of I'm not going to bother with the Japanese name. It was basically called the Pure Water Temple, which was one of Kyoto's most celebrated sacred monuments, founded back um, in the late 700s, and it was built on the site of a waterfall whose waters were divided into three streams where you're invited to drink in order to receive longevity, success, and a good love life. But be warned, traveler, drinking from all three streams was considered greedy. So we went through this incredibly um, uh, ornate um, uh, temple and then getting, and then sort of walked down the hillside to get to um, uh the, the the pure water temple and be able to and learn how to go through the process of partaking of the the different pure water I almost want to call it a a, a ceremony um I chose I don't know which I won't ask which ones I chose um I basically chose the Spock version I chose live long and prosper was basically <laughs> the, the two that I chose and this temple was really like our first introduction to a lot of the rituals around the temples and shrines. And I, what I really liked learning about that. And for those that wanted to partake in it, the guide showed us how we could do it. And uh, I thought that was really special. And I we really enjoyed uh, we visited so many temples and shrines. We, we then, you know, by the end we had the hang of it of what to do and, um, it was really, it was really great, and to be able to take from this uh, water that came from this waterfall right from the bat was uh, a great way to kick it off. Yeah, and, and it was to your definitely point. not touristy at all. I mean, this was like we felt like we were right there with the people of Japan engaging in traditions that they engage in. Yeah, and and you brought up a great point that even in these very touristy locations, it did not feel like like a theme park, right? It didn't feel overly <sighs> touristy. And I loved being able to be introduced to the, and an understanding of the symbolism and the, the, uh, the, the, the culture and the ceremony of the Shinto shrines and the Buddhist temples, which are the, the primary re- religions in um, Japan. And you're right. We, as we went through many of the shrines and temples that we see throughout um having a better understanding and then having the choice to go through and participate, be active participants in some of those things was really a wonderful treat um, because I think it gives us a better understanding of, of uh, how other cultures live and, and why they do what they do. Um, all right, moving on. We let's, I'm moving on to dinner again. We went to um, a wonderfully nice, a very nice upscale restaurant in Kyoto called um, Soto um, where we had a chance to share some of our stories from the day. And again, one of the things that Adventures by Disney does is not just sort of let us have a wonderful meal, but we had a performance by a uh, a geiko, which is a correct me if I'm wrong. It's a it's a it's a type of geisha that is specific to Kyoto, as well as a samurai. And there was somebody else too. There was a third 
performer um, that came in as sort of a, a show along with our meal as well. Oh, no, she was she was a Mako, right? Wasn't she a Mako, a, a geisha in training? Mako. Mako. Yes. What did you guys think of the of the first meal and sort of wrapping up the first day? That was one of my very favorite things that the, the geisha culture and, and watching the Maiko um, earlier when, when we first arrived at the hotel on that first night. Remember, there was a Maiko that was also performing in the hotel and to the whole Kyoto area and the area that we were in. Uh, that's the um, the birthplace of that piece of heritage. So to see the performance and to see her in her uh, in her beautiful gown and her makeup and her hair and to actually be able to ask her questions about the lifestyle and, uh, and what was, you know, the pieces about the performance. I thought that that was one of the most engaging um, opportunities that we had on the trip. And Lou did very well because he guessed what it was. Mm-hmm. It was a tea ceremony. So that was quite good. Oh, that was it like, was a- that was like the highlight of my day. She, we were, <laughs> he had the opportunity to ask questions yeah. and I said, Oh, it looked to me that, because there's no words, there's just music, and there's and, sh- and a very um, uh, elegant, delicate performance. And it looks to me as though she's performing a Japanese tea ceremony, and she at least pretended to be like impressed that I knew what it was. I'm like, yay, me! Like, okay, I'm all done. Good night, everybody. Try the meal. Um, <laughs> no, you just loved being able to put on the. Um... Uh, the outfit yourself. No, I did not. Um, I realized very quickly that kimono is not a good look for me. <laughs> Somebody I, I told admit, me that my picture looked like I was singing a candlelight processional. So. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you kind of did. I mean, but but then again, you look comfortable. I was uncomfortable. Uh, wait, do you know what we forgot? Wait, what? I'm going to show you guys the picture because we completely forgot. As we were walking around uh, the yes. little town... Yeah. How did we forget our matcha ice cream oh. and chestnut ice cream? Oh, so good. <laughs> as, we, as with many of our walking tours, we stopped probably when we shouldn't. And um, this was one where we were, we had some extra free time. So this was, was a, a sanctioned snack. And, <laughs> uh, and we were looking for a, a sweet treat. And I think uh, I had seen this, um, ice cream shot had had a line in it in the morning when we had gone up and I had made a note so that when we were walking down and I saw no line, I said, um, you'll have to excuse me, <laughs> friends. Uh, we need to have ice cream right now. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. the chestnut ice cream. Oh, I love the chestnut ice cream. That was my favorites. It really surprised me. I didn't expect it to be chestnut, to be honest. And there was a uh, soft chestnut in the bottom of the ice cream cone. It was like getting a prize in the cereal box. <laughs> it is. It's hard to go back to just regular ice cream with mm. no chestnut, no warm chestnut <laughs> at, at the end. It's really, really hard to come back to the States and not have that. Yeah, it's tough going through the McDonald's drive through going, can I have a matcha soft serve, please? <laughs> matcha, M-A-T, no. But this, so there was, and this place seemed to be like, Everything matcha, like everything along the streets was matcha. And then we all, I think a few of us, uh, Megan Beat, I think we went into the same store and actually bought, uh, I don't know why I bought such an expensive thing of, of matcha powder, but we did because we were so excited because this was like the matcha capital of Japan or something. Yeah. And I mean, this is another way where the guides are really helpful because James, our guide, knew where the good matcha was. And it was on my list of things that I wanted to bring home. And so we saw him while we were walking around and he brought us there and said, okay, 
this is the one you should buy. Have and you had it yet? Is, Have you tried your matcha yet? Well, yeah, you've got to sprinkle it on vanilla ice cream. That's, that's right. That's that's the that's the secret use of matcha. <laughs> so now it's I can go to McDonald's. Form. I'll get a soft serve from McDonald's and just sprinkle it in the parking lot. There you just... go. There you go. <laughs> and when the police officer comes over, sir, what are you sprinkling on your ice? I swear it's just matcha. Uh, all right, we have to go faster. This is going to be a. We're gonna yeah. Be you're a... you're day two, and we're into this almost an hour. So yeah. I'm sweating. I'm so excited. Get about moving. This. All right. So day th- well, technically it's day three, right? So day okay. three is Kyoto um, and Hiroshima. So uh, again, one of the cool things we got to do was be able to board the Shinkansen train, which is the famous high speed bullet train. Couple of quick things of note: vending Ooh. machines, vending machines everywhere. Yes. God, I love Japan. Uh, that was my first experience of a vending machine <laughs> that was so crazy. Hot and cold areas. Oh my god! It was yeah, like we were, the vending machines were like video games. We, we it didn't matter what we were buying. We just had to buy something from the vending machines. But how cool was the Shinkansen train? And by the way, Adventures by Disney, we all have reserved first class seats in the Shinkansen train, which was not awful. I mean, this that's how Becky rolls. So now I yeah. understand how the other side <laughs> lives. All in. And hey, I mean, but look at this too. We boarded 30 people in 90 seconds. I am uh, so impressed with that. 90 seconds. The 90 yes. second roll. <laughs> that, that was pretty cool. It's so much fun. Yeah, and you're on time or you're left behind. It, like the train. So it's just a quick aside. The, the 90 second rule is a thing. You have 90 seconds to board the train. The train is never late. And if it's like 30 seconds late, it's like a major news story because everyone has 90 seconds. They all know. They understand. And it works. Like many other things, we'll get to the napkins and lack of trash cans. It works because the train is never late. And for anybody who gets motion sick that's considering a ride on the bullet train, go ahead and do it. Not only is it fast, it's smooth. I had no problems on it whatsoever. And if you're that. worried about getting hungry, there's a cute little lady walking around with a snack cart, too. <laughs> and they bow at every door. And they bow, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that was so amazing. Who else has been bowing since they came home? I'm just bowing to everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a culture thing now. Come on. <laughs> it is. I get it. So, all right. So we went over to the island of Miyajima, known as the Island of the Gods, and I saw in the ABD guy that it was referred to as one of the most scenic spots in Japan, and I completely understand why. It's also one of the most delicious spots in Japan. Uh, we'll get to again. Meg and I breaking the rules. We're we're told <laughs> we're supposed to go to the Shinto shrine and this tour of a Buddhist temple. They're like, look, you need to put your blinders on, walk through the streets. You'll have time later. Meg and I pull off to the side and get are very delicious warm red bean sort of like waffle cake things i mean you could see they were making them fresh and (laughs) we were far enough ahead of other people in the group that i felt like we could stop purchase them and still not lose any time which was true Although, if you look at the picture that I posted, I looked before. If you see James in the background, he's kind of giving us the hairy eyeball. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, I see how this group is going to be. 
stopping at every food. Yeah, BJ was very disappointed in me. I, I was I was mortified. We're, we're we're supposed to follow directions, and I I just I lost Meg, and then I looked behind, and she's she's ordering food, which is precisely what James had said not to do. But but it all worked out. Everything was fine. And uh, no, BJ, I'm I'm going to let you know our. our Meg and I, our eyes met, and not even a word was spoken. We knew exactly where we were going. <laughs> now, I do have to admit, that location had some of the cutest food ever. Mm. Remember the little bear ice cream and the little oh, yeah. uh, the, that place that had all of the different places with a little bear head, which you <laughs> didn't want to eat because he was too cute. But oh, no, I wanted to eat everything. I had, I had no problem with that. Oh, and that was the location where you first met the, the herd of deer. The deer that were everywhere, no matter where you go, because deer are sacred in Japan. And deer and- are sacred. And you're right. They're everywhere, not just on the streets or in the forest, but on the sidewalks and mm-hmm. in the grass and wandering in and out of stores. Um, and, and they're like they're literally everywhere. And they're incredibly docile, except when you have food and they're hungry. Or something that looks like food or smells like food or a purse or a bag they'll go after. But I think we should also mention too that this island is the location where the Tory Gate is that is made famous by Epcot. It's a, the gate that's out in the middle of the water, which of course for us was <laughs> under uh, renovation which they do every hundred years. So we got those really rare pictures of the Tory Gate under wraps. And we'll treasure those pictures forever. And this too, and just to sort of go relatively quickly, we got a tour of the Shinto Shrine and the the Buddhist Temple Tour. This is where we also had, as we did throughout the entire ABT, a local guide as well as our ABD guide. So we didn't just have the Disney guides, but we had somebody who was incredibly familiar with um, the area and um, some of the highlights. Uh, Wasn't this... This was the the very sort of spread out location with the orange temples. Wasn't this also lo- the location that had the um, sort of those those steep steps and all of the yeah. the little statues with the yarn caps on them? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we were surprised that all wearing little hats, they look like gnomes with little hats on at the top. That was the funny thing on that. I remember being so impressed with again how how peaceful and how quiet, but just the the absolute beauty in the simplicity of the architecture there. And again, in the middle of this place where there's so many people, but it's so peaceful. It's so quiet. It's, it's very reflective when you're walking through the temple itself, but more importantly, this is where you discovered oysters. (laughs) This is where we went to that one place that had the they served you either four or eight or six oysters in in a on a big plate and you could have them fried or raw which you chose that um and, but this is where i discovered katsudon as well which i fell in love with and now i have to have that more well they're but they're famous oysters. for their oysters here right they're yeah. Those were, <laughs> oh, they were delicious. oh, I did not like that. I did not care for that. That was one of those things that I tried because you were trying to force feed me an oyster and it, it was not my favorite, but you were in heaven. Any of you, your thoughts on the day and or the lunch? Oh, this was another where we had some free time and we could just wander around the area and 
it was just such a, a scenic and beautiful and peaceful place. I was really happy that they gave us some free time just to to wander and explore. And so you could duck into these serene areas where you could just, uh, you know, view uh, the the sea. And, and it was just, it was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, we, yeah, I really enjoyed the, the free time and just being able to explore during that part of the trip. I, I kind of felt this was like lose heaven because every couple of yards, there was another food shop <laughs> and there was more stuff to buy that was being cooked freshly for you. I can remember we had those steamed buns uh, with the meat oh. inside, it was like like Nuki Mans or something. Oh, and we kept going back for more. I do remember that. I uh, we there may or may not be a out. picture of me double fisting buns and my little bear ice creams. Who I didn't realize <laughs> that the little bear is known as um, Rilakuma. Rilakuma. I'm probably saying it wrong. My daughter knew exactly who who the bear was. Really? He tasted delicious. Oh, oh. <laughs> on a little warm bear bun with matcha ice cream. Just doesn't sound right, but it did taste good. <laughs> oh, there get... must have been some sort of celebration in the town that oh, day yes. because yeah. there were um, people that were carrying these floats through the streets. And at one point, um, they were handing us sake, <laughs> which I drank. Uh, you don't want to be rude. I get it. Random stuff <laughs> off the street. <laughs> Um, and, but there was a, 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 a real sense of celebration in the community that day. Um, and I'm not sure what was going on, but they were happy to include us in that celebration. And I was very happy to be there. And I loved, <laughs> I loved that single, that sort of covered marketplace street. There was, there was nothing that felt cheap or tacky or like, like, uh, certainly, and and one thing to be clear, my entire time in in Japan, I never ever, even when I was alone at night, felt unsafe at all and anywhere. Um, and and this, and certainly here as well too. Um, I, I do want to move on because a few of you had mentioned one of the things that you were looking forward to seeing um, was uh, going over to Hiroshima and going to the museum, and then the Peace Park. And I have to tell you, this was um, this was an eye-opening, um, admittedly difficult transition for me to, to go from, um, you know, Miyajima Island and, and having such a great time to something that was incredibly um, somber and sobering. Um, certainly important to to see and understand, um, but the museum itself, again, I mean, there wasn't a sound. There was not nobody, even kids. Like there was not a sound being made in that museum. Um, but it was very hard. It was very difficult to to go through. And then for me, I, I sort of had a tough time transitioning to the rest of the day. I would almost wish that we would have started with that and then sort of moved on to other things because it was sort of it was jarring for me emotionally to go to there and then sort of ease our way out when we went to the the peace park um any or all of you your your thoughts on the Hiroshima museum and then getting to the peace park uh, Hiroshima was one place i wish we had a little more time to just kind of soak in all the emotions and the history that was there um the park was beautiful um simplistic but very meaningful and the museum was just very well done um it was pretty i felt like it was pretty busy the day we went but um 
again, the crowds were so well organized and there was to flow through the museum that um, you really got to, to, I got to see everything, but again, I would have liked to spend a little more time there. Yeah, it, it, you know, and it was pretty graphic, I will say. Um, mm. And it made it really, yeah, I think emotions is a good word to describe it. I think afterwards we were reflecting and feeling really sad as we're reflecting, not just on what happened with Hiroshima, but all of the tragedies of World War II. And, um, you know, I, I think... Yeah, it was it was a hard transition, especially because like right after the museum, we we and the and the peace park, we went to this building where we um, made or, origami cranes, which is a a symbol of peace. And the and the you know the whole city of Hiroshima is about promoting peace and trying to eliminate nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were folding our cranes, um, and I was helping Becky through fold hers. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that was, I mean, and that was, I thought a really nice experience. Um, and, and then we had to leave that building and we left in a really weird way. <laughs> oh yeah. But, but the, going to the museum really quickly before you talk about the weird way, because I think, yeah, I agree with you, Lou, that if it was reversed, it might be better in a way. However, the way it ended with the laughter that you'll get to in a second was definitely uplifting it is a heavy experience for those who've had family members who fought in the war um or in in my case i had family members who worked at one of the nuclear reservations that that this was some of the plutonium was made to go there and to see what happened and to reflect upon it it's it's heavy but you walk away with that that resilience of this we cannot let this happen again and while it's graphic and while it is difficult um it is something that i believe for me was necessary to just have it hit you in the face and go you know what you can't let this happen again because that 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 peace message is so important and so while you fold the the origami it's adding to um that that's your commitment when you add it to the pile uh that you will take on that message of peace forward uh i wish i had the skill set to fold paper <laughs> apparently i really suck at it um thank you meg uh for saving me and uh, but it was a, a lot of fun kind of going through those motions and kind of healing in a way after you've gone through that that heavy experience well i I will say the the transition of the creating of the cranes and there's a whole story behind um this 10 year old girl sadako sasaki and and the legend of anybody who folds a thousand cranes being granted a a wish It, it did help to sort of ease the transition and i think one of the best ways to sort of Lift your spirits is um, with dinner, and I have six words for you: okonomiyaki. It's actually one word, but it's so good. I wanted to make sure I got it right. It's something that I first had at the Japan Pavilion years ago. They don't have it anymore, unfortunately, because I think it. it not everybody understood it, but we went to but this. Wait, uh, I'm sorry. Before you go to that, how did you get to the bottom of the? Of oh, the- yeah. Oh, I okay. You have to give that away because there's that that was hilarity all in its own. So we walked to the top of um, of this tower, the the Hiroshima Orozuku Tower um, in Hiroshima Hills. And, and we're, there's a beautiful 
vista of the entire city. Japan, you're a wacky place, man. And I get it and I dig you a lot because you can either walk downstairs, you can take the elevator downstairs, or you can take the slide downstairs. There's a a floor-by-floor slide. So I want you to picture 30 – I use adults in air quotes – Taking the slide, you know, like crazy people. We're the only people who are there taking the slide to to make our way downstairs. Nine flights of a slide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you guys were giggling and smiling from ear to ear. And some of you got stuck. And some of you had to, like, pull your way down. The, the I, I think the slide was made for Japanese people. It was kind of small. <laughs> Yeah, I think they were looking at the security cameras. Oh, no, Lou should not be on that slide. Get the fat guy off the slide. Um, but we then, did, then we went. So we go then, to this six-story, almost looks like an office building. Or a, uh, um, and inside, we take the elevator upstairs to this floor, which almost looks like a, a, a street market that you'd find on street level. And there were like six different like bays that had okonomiyaki um, grills on it. And okonomiyaki is is a dish. It's sort of a – it's like a pancake slash crepe made out of cabbage and meat and and noodles and vegetables and this incredibly sweet sauce. And I'm so happy Becky didn't like hers because I had some of hers too. I just had like, again, giggling ear to ear. (laughs) Have so much fun there. Yeah, you you were more excited about the fact that you went up the stairs to the capsule hotel and almost got lost. Well, no, I almost missed the bus. <laughs> well, because, because, wait, we were downstairs, and I'm looking on the sign, and it says there's a capsule hotel upstairs. It would have been rude for me not to go and check it out. Of course, I <laughs> chickened remember, out as soon as I got upstairs. And the, reason, <laughs> and the reason we were all freaking out was because you took off like a shot, and remember, we had to catch the train. So we had that little window of time that we had to get across the street to catch the train. Otherwise, I'm like we- a little ninja. I had no worries whatsoever. <laughs> and if I would have missed it, I would have just gone upstairs and had more okonomiyaki. So I was not worried at all. That was fun. What did you guys I think? What did you guys think like- of, the, of the dinner? This dinner was amazing because it was mm. made in front of us. It it was something that we got to have watched uh, prepared in front of us, which was – uh, which was incredible because, um, you know, I'd That's really it. never seen food like this before. And then to see it prepared was not was just a great experience. Apart from having, apart from the food being wonderful, it was also, it was like Blade Runner. The streets <laughs> were like Blade Runner. You're going down, seeing everybody cooking around you, and then you're eating that food as well. And the, the bizarrest environment I've ever been in. It was fantastic. It was so strange, but it was so, so nice and even though it was a little bit noisier there, I think it was, but it was so so much vibrant fun that we had a, oh, we had a ball that night. And I always remember the capsule hotel because it was like uh, any Lou size fits all because it, it was so, they were so small. <laughs> Lou could go in any of them, you know. Well, I remember everybody else was downstairs. I'm like, oh, I have to go see what this is. So I took the <laughs> escalator upstairs and there was nobody there except the three people behind the counter staring at me. And I'm like... <laughs> And I panicked. I like I froze. Like John Belushi outside of Animal House. I was like, <laughs> and, I, and I just was like, "How do I get out of here?" And I couldn't get the elevator down fast. So I took a couple of pictures, 
and went down. But I wanted to see. I mean, look, when in Japan, you have to, you know, do what you can. But you're right. We had to get the um, the, the Shinkansen train back um, because the next day we had another full day. Um, although I will say the next morning we had the the, 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 um, the restaurant in the hotel lobby was wonderful. Had a wonderful buffet of Western food as well as things you can get off the menu. And then uh, Meg was like, Lou, you haven't tried the Japanese breakfast yet? So I tried it. It's probably not for every <laughs> if you like fish, that's that's what you want to order. It was but, also what, enough food for two or three people. Or me. That's what, fine. What or, don't judge. Yeah, so yeah, so what did you think? Out. So yeah, you were the adventurous eater, so Yeah. Yeah, they really kept bringing it out, and it was just one thing after the other. And I, I know you were just trying each little thing, and and you really, uh, I mean, it was it was a, a delight, wasn't it? You yeah, enjoyed it. I did. I started to get the giggles though because I was very full, and they kept bringing out more. Yeah, yeah, they didn't stop. No. I, I think we just ended up just. It, I I don't know. We had to say mercy. I, I, don't, I don't know. It was. <laughs> It was just a lot of food. Yeah. And and I'm looking at the pictures now. A lot of tofu and fish and pickled vegetables. And there was a couple of things. I don't even know what they were. Um, Breakfast of champions. Yeah. You just don't ask. Just eat. Um, but I'm happy. Like, like I said, I'm happy that I at least tried it once and then didn't try it again after. Um, but that day <laughs> we did. Uh, we went over to the Hanpoji Temple and mm. learned about something that I love seeing in the Japan Pavilion in Epcot and have a much, much greater appreciation for just how freaking hard it is to be a taiko drummer. Not just because you need oh, rhythm, which is something that I don't have, but you need a heck of a lot of muscle tone, which I also don't have, uh, and coordination. I don't have that either. There's a lot of things I don't have. But it wasn't just a, a, a demonstration of taiko drumming, but really getting to learn and to learn how to play a song um, that day. So tell me what you guys thought about uh, the experience at the, the taiko drumming at the temple. I loved doing the, the taiko drumming. Uh, the, the teacher that they got for us uh, was so great because when we started off as a group, we were not. We had zero rhythm, and you maybe say, we still wait. Have you zero. say had as if we eventually got rhythm. Like I don't think we ever got to that point. Um, but my goodness, by the end, we were synchronized and actually like sounded kind of good. Hmm. I was very impressed with all of us. Oh yeah, he played the song that we were going to play as a group, and I thought to myself, there is absolutely no way that we as a group or any even individually one of us would really be able to catch on. Holy cow, he had us doing it. It was <laughs> so cool. It, he, he was awesome. Huge highlight. Yeah. And I loved at the end uh, of us learning the song, he played a song privately for us um, oh. that he does when he does performances. And it was just amazing to watch him do a full song on his own. Um, I don't think that's something – most people get to see. I, I heard that other ABD tours did not get to see that. So I thought that was very special. I'm just happy that I brought snacks on the bus because I was exhausted. <laughs> yeah, that was a workout. <laughs> it was a workout for lunch. Yeah. 
I have a lot more respect, a lot more respect after that. And I, I only lasted probably five minutes and I was out my, my neck and my arms were hurting so bad. I decided, you know what, I'm going to camera duty at this point. But what I was really impressed with was I posted a picture of it and somebody from another that had gone on the ABD before went in and actually, you know, the, the chant that he used to get you guys to, to follow along, he posted the, word version of the chant. So he remembered it. It was in his head from the last time that he had uh, been on the ABD, which was really impressive. And I don't know if you guys remember it in the back of your head right now, but it was pretty cool. Owa Tagu Siam. Wasn't that it? Owa Tagu Siam. Um, Yeah, exactly. That's exactly (laughs) what it was. (laughs) And just when you thought the morning couldn't get any better, yay! We go to a bento box cooking class. I like oh, I every word this. of that except the cooking. I loved this. How much fun did we have? First of all, I liked where it was. We sort of walked down that little side street. The lovely like young Ooh. ladies in there teaching us how to create a traditional bento box with fresh local ingredients. Like my skill set is not in the kitchen. It's at the dining table. So this was outside of my comfort zone. But I loved it, and they put a little Disney spin on it as well. I was really impressed with you. You actually rolled that egg. Like <laughs> I was really I was impressed. Very you hungry. Actually knew. <laughs> I, I've seen you try to wash a dish before, so this was impressive that you were able to roll the egg. But this was so much fun, and the the instructors were housewives, pretty much. Hey. All right. I will admit I did like the cooking wine. <laughs> I have a picture of Becky using the measuring spoon to drink the cooking wine. It's mirin, so it's 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 sweet wine. And, and I had not had a beverage really at that point. And okay, it clearly it was good. So I cause I can remember mirin and it's in my head and I'll probably buy a bottle later for the fun of it. But it was a ton of fun making this the the box on our own and it was a good lunch too at the end of the day i literally think the one of the instructors wanted to do seppuku to herself after she saw you doing that because she was so completely offended by that but that's when i was also introduced to the the little hot plate and the pan the really unique pan and i think galley didn't you go and buy one (laughs) meg and i bought one yeah i did too popsticks to go with it and you've used it a few times by now, right? Have, yeah. So now we know where to go when we need a bento box. <laughs> <laughs> and but it was fun. the fun part too. And they gave like a little Disney touch that, you know, we molded the rice into a Mickey Mouse and then used little pieces of seaweed to make his face. And then we cut um, uh, Winnie the Pooh shapes, uh, you know. And so uh, it was, you know, really part of that like kawaii, that cute culture of Japan um, that I just fell in love with and it was fun to do it with our food. But what I liked about it was that it was interesting for someone like Meg, who's an amazing cook or someone like me, who's not a cook. They made it very foolproof for any level. Well, kind of. (laughs) I had a slight problem problem with the egg. It decided to leave. You crack the egg on the table. That's your own fault. But otherwise it's very straightforward. It didn't want to crack. So I tried my best, but it went everywhere. <laughs> right, because you guys were partnered up at the table right across from us, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they put the amateurs on one side of the room. I think that's that's why we were I at the – I guess that, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, I as much as I enjoy that, if I have my timing correct, after that, isn't that we went to the Hosegawa Riverboat ride? Yes. Yeah. This yes. was a two-hour, nearly <laughs> 10-mile riverboat ride um, past <laughs> spectacular scenery okay. of rock formations and there were some small rapids and beautiful flowers and trees. And more importantly, our three <laughs> boatsmen, I don't know what to call them, each having – the boat crew each having a different um, task. Though, if you think the Tycho drummers work hard, you got to see the guy. And I don't want to sort of use the the incorrect term, but the guy at the front, sort of like like what's it called, like a punt, like when you um, mm. punt with the boat. I was incredibly impressed and had again a smile on my face, just enjoying the 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 serenity of that that trip. And I, I know well, Becky was a little apprehensive about this boat okay. trip at first. No, hold on a second, Allie, but back up. <laughs> because <laughs> when we got there, we didn't know what to expect. And I think, Allie, you and I and Meg were standing there kind of trying to figure out what we were doing because we knew it was a boat ride, but we really didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. And we see this poster. And the poster is kind of doing the, the advertisement for what um, we're, we're about to get into. And we look at this first and realize nobody has life jackets on or there's there's no safety measures on this thing. Come to find out later, you're actually wearing belts rather than um, over your shoulder harnesses. But on the poster, it has a star. It's got stars, right? Like a star rating. And you look up and there, there are three stars, but only one is filled one is in. Filled in. <laughs> so, so we're wondering what kind of boat experience is going to be with no life jackets they're going down rapids and it's rated one star so <laughs> this is why there was a little bit of apprehension until it got going but once it did like you said <sighs> this ended up being one of the most amazing memories of the day not only watching these guys where one of the guys was uh in our boat was he was 72 70s, yeah mm. and they switch roles one's in the back one's in the front actually doing the, the pushing the other guy is kind of steering and we're thinking that the older guy is going to stay there and steer and the two younger guys are going to switch back and forth in fact no when they switch the 72 year old guy gets up and he does that very hard work up front and i was just amazed at him it was it was mind-blowing watching how much work these guys put into it. And then, of course, the scenery was gorgeous. Yeah. And listen, like when I when they said on the itinerary that we were going to be doing a riverboat ride, I was imagining like a two-story, like enclosed <laughs> boat with maybe a bathroom in there <laughs> and like a very like slow journey down this river. No, it's like this huge rowboat. You are exposed to the elements. There's rapids. And then... At, at some points, like the boat is about three inches away from hitting a rock and like you could reach out and touch it. And then with the rapids, they had these um, like like tarps, these rubber tarps that every once in a while, if they thought maybe you were going to get splashed, they'd say, OK, tarps up. And so you pull the tarp up so that, you know, the rapids don't just totally wash you out. It, it was incredible. This was definitely a, a favorite. I think this was my favorite day. And this is yeah. probably my favorite part of my favorite day. And something I was not even 
remotely aware would be this great. It was tremendous. And I think it was the crew that really put it over the top because much like um, the, uh, many of the other guides and many of the other, um, you know, Japanese guides that, that we would encounter on the trip, they really, really made it for us by, you know, interacting with us on the boat. They would tell us jokes. They would tell us things about the river and, that was really, really charming and really amazing. And then at the end, you got to try it. Oh yeah, and then they let yeah. us, they let all of us do it. I know Martin did it. I know Lou did it. Ali did it. Ali did Ali it. Did. We all, yeah, we all did it. It was amazing. Ali was first up. I was very surprised. That was great. Go on, Ali, go for it. You 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 show us how to do it first, then we'll have a go. Well, I didn't wreck the boat, so. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was grateful. It, I didn't, we had to work for our living again. I couldn't believe it. Again, yeah, I was going to say that's it's the <laughs> rowing is day. is exhausting. Um, and, but it's if correct me if I'm wrong, it's something that they've been doing for hundreds of years on that river. Yeah. That's how they used to transport uh, food and right fruits and, and grain shops. and mm-hmm. so it's something that's been it's a, it that's been handed down from generation to generation but after all of that exhausting time <laughs> rowing what else are you gonna do but you have to go to osaka um we could have gone on our own but we all sort of stayed together as a group for a little while um james and Timon, we took us over to another um uh small shrine and then a few of us slowly started to back away because the food was a calling and we were tired of waiting. Um, And we chose to divide and conquer, right? You go here, you go here. We'll meet up in the middle and had just a bunch of, we had amazing ramen and the um, gyoza chicken. Was it gyoza chicken? Is that what it's called? Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, we had, and we had the rice balls and the the takiyaki. takiyaki. Oh, the octopus. That's oh, yeah. it, yeah. And then we finished off with a melon pan. Oh, oh. <laughs> Wait, and the ramen that we ordered from a vending machine? <laughs> yeah. Probably the best ramen I've ever had. Yeah. it was. There was a vending machine out. The store sells only one thing. They sell ramen. And you order it from a vending machine, and they give you a little coupon, and you give it to the nice lady, and she gives you your ginormous bowl of about 17 pounds of ramen. <laughs> and it was like $6 or something, but... Mm-hmm. We had uh, and yeah, then we finished off with. I'm looking through the pictures as we're speaking. The uh, I want to get the name of it correctly. The the melon pan, the freshly baked mm. melon pan with the green tea ice cream inside. Um, that Whoa. I re- I Whoa. liked of all the sort of city ish locations. That was the one that I enjoyed the most. I w- and I wish we had more time there. It really was incredible. It was what uh, we oftentimes think of of a, a Japanese city sometimes with bright lights and lots of activity and food coming out of vending machines and food coming out of just all different sorts of of different areas. It really was um, a memorable, memorable night. Uh, It also uh, demonstrated how great our guides were because at the end of the night, um, not only our guides, but also then the the Japanese uh, people and culture, because as we were getting on the bus, I realized that I left my backpack in that delicious ramen place. I was too distracted by the ramen and I had left my backpack there. And uh, James, our guide without missing a beat said, okay, let's go. Can you run? And um, we, we ran back there and um, sure enough, it was just behind the counter 
And they said, oh, yes, here's your bag. And they gave it right back to me. And we thought, gosh, only in Japan could I just leave my backpack at a delicious ramen place and it would be waiting when I returned. And um, James was super helpful in getting it and just couldn't couldn't believe that uh, it all worked out so nicely. Well, and this is maybe a good time to sort of mention this as as a cultural moment because you were not the only person to leave something behind sometimes. <laughs> and it, and it's not meant to call anybody out. It, it's it's a Thank testament. You. No, no, no. It's a testament to the people of Japan, right? Because, Martin, you had a, an occasion or two or, or six where you left something. <laughs> I, lo- I lost my wallet, and that's the only thing I lost. Everything else I found. Um, no, I even found my wallet. They, they actually... Well, James, you're right. Uh, like BJ said, they were so good. James said, right, let's run. So we ran back, looked everywhere, and he was asking questions where I was actually last with my wallet. And it's quite weird. I'd put a coin in there to keep it safe and obviously lost the wallet as well. So that was a crazy move. Um, but they said they'd found it. And when we went to the, the uh, counter, um, it was it was a white envelope. And I said, no, it was a white. I thought, no, my wallet's black. And they'd put it inside the envelope and sealed it. And so... It was all prepped and nothing was lost and missing. I couldn't believe it. they'd actually sealed the, the envelope with my wallet inside it. And yeah, you're right. They, anywhere else, oh yeah, you've got a wallet, but it's empty. You know, there's everything was in it. So it's oh, they're so good, so amazing. The only thing I lost. That's the only thing I lost. <laughs> but we we hear story after story about that happening in Japan, where things aren't lost if you go back. It's there, or even as you leave a restaurant or a store, if you've left something behind, they will come out after you to try and find you um, if you left it behind. And, and it, it, again, it's a, it's a testament to um, the culture. But let's move on to, again, another one of my favorite experiences. Uh, we went to the famous Fushimi Inari Shrine, the Tori Trail. If you've seen pictures of those rows of orange Tory gates um, that lead up to the sacred Mount Inari and the Fushiri Inari Taisha Shrine. Uh, one thing I didn't realize is that all of those gates are donated. Um, they're sponsored by businesses and individuals and organizations who are grateful for their luck and prosperity. And that Tory trail extends not just pretty far, but high up into the mountain as well, and I and I loved going off on my own. I so we all sort of broke up into individual or, or little groups and walked through and um, the the Tory Great Gate Park. Um, of course, being warned not to take pictures or feed the monkeys, <laughs> but I did find a couple of cats. Um, didn't see any monkeys where I found the cats. And again, you can see all the pictures that you want. But I loved again that that. The tranquility of walking through um, the 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 Tory Trek. That was another advantage with uh, Adventures by Disney. We got there early, early as well. Do you remember? Because they wanted us to make sure we experienced it with less people around. And wow, to be able to walk up through all the Tory gates and it's so quiet, and we're the only ones really there. Now yeah, that's not, an experience. And not thirty minutes later, it was yeah. packed with people. Amazing. Yeah. And had another local guide too. I, I forgive me that I don't remember her name, but she was a wonderful, um, nice young lady, and she was a wonderful guide too. Um, I'm, I'm quickly scrolling through pictures um, as as I'm looking through, sort of remembering. Oh, of course, and there was a place to get food at the end, so we stopped and got <laughs> some more of the rice. Bowl. 
I'm going to do another little cultural moment uh, because I think I may have mentioned in passing at the beginning just how clean all of Japan is. And that's not that is not an, an it's an overly broad statement, but one that I think is absolutely applicable because it's not just the hotel. It's not just the touristy locations like the country itself is spotless. Not only do you not see garbage. You don't see garbage cans, nor do you. So if there's, if you're looking for garbage cans or towels or napkins, they're they're a rarity. I have more pictures of garbage cans than I think anything else. But it works. I mean, even when we were there. I remember inside the the men's room where I took many pictures, which is, sounds creepier than it should. Um, <laughs> there was all these little signs telling you to take your trash with you. Um, and there's no towels there because you either bring your own hand towel, <clears throat> excuse me, or you just air dry your hands. And as off putting as it was for me at the beginning, like I get it because it works because there's no trash anywhere. And I understand this idea now of sort of if you have trash from something that you eat or whatever, you take that trash home with you. And it's it's obviously it's an odd concept for us um, here in America, but but clearly it works. I kind of wish we had that here because mm. maybe it'd be a lot more cleaner here as well. But culturally, from way back when, people are expected to if, – if you use something and you use a napkin, you use anything from what you eat, you put it in your pocket and you take it home, put it in your own trash. And uh, that was kind of eye-opening for me as well because like you said, we kind of go in there with our expectations from from what we've experienced in our own country. And you you might look around and say, man, these people don't have any trash cans. What do I do? What am I supposed to do with this trash? But realizing that, that the expectation is for you, whatever you bring in, you take out. And I, I really admire that. Um, what did you guys think of the um, of the Tory trail and, and shrine? So beautiful and serene. And, you know, part of going with the adventures by Disney, they knew that we should go right away in the morning because that's before all of the other tour buses get there. And so it felt still like it was a quiet place. And I, and, you know, as we were leaving more and more people were coming. Um, so I thought it was really special to kind of be there and in the morning and have that kind of quiet reflection time to walk around. And I remember when we first got um, when we first got there, our guides took pictures of us standing in front of the gate, one of the gates. And I remember thinking that as a solo traveler, I was so grateful to have these guides who took all these pictures for us because I had my selfie stick and I could take a picture. But it just wasn't the same as having those guides kind of following us around and, and knowing like where the best picture spots were and then having all these pictures at the end of the trip. I think that was um, invaluable uh, on the ABD. And they did such a great job lining everybody up because even there mm. were people in the background, they would like adjust your body in such a way that anybody in the background was covered. So it looks like you're there all by yourself, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Correct me if I'm wrong on timing. <clears throat> didn't we have to didn't we leave the first hotel and then move over to the Hotel Associa in Takayama here? Right. Was it at this point that we did it? My my memory yes. is a little okay. Yes, uh, and we'll talk a little about the hotel when we get to karaoke night a little, a little bit later on in the, oh, boy, the conversation. Are we talk about karaoke night, um, yes. but we also saw, and I'll go relatively quickly because I know we have a lot more to cover. Um, we saw another temple with what's known as the Big Buddha Hall, with the world's largest. It's the world's largest 
wooden building and a massive bronze Buddha statue that sits at just under 50 feet, which might not sound huge until you stand mm. next to um, this incredibly large yes. and beautiful Buddha. And that building was spectacular. Uh, I think this is where we also spend some time um, and I'm sort of looking at my notes and my pictures at the same time. We had a little bit of time to shop on our own in Nara. We saw the um, the, the green tea mochi being made by hand. And I know uh, Megan BJ this is, and, and Becky, this is where we went and had the, the wonderful yeah. lunch at the um, – um, oh, yeah, this is where we it's had the – Yeah, yeah this, this is where they had the, the katsudan, right, the poor katsudan. Yeah. I wish BJ was was uh, still staring at me here because we had this most remarkable time. BJ and I stayed in the back and watched you two, uh, Meg and Lou. We were like, just leave it to them. They've already kind of scoped this out. They know exactly where they want to eat. We've, we're just going to stand back and then follow wherever they go. And you guys had beelined right for the place that we pointed out that they're probably going to go back here. I think this is the one they're going to come back to. And sure enough, we walked all the way down that that covered area, all the shops, all the eating places, and a McDonald's was there too, which I, I still wanted to go in there just to see what was there or to get a hamburger just to say that you did in Japan. But then we came back and we went to that restaurant that we knew that you guys would pick, and sure enough, you did. And they walked us back to what's the room called? That private With the tatami, room? it's sort of the where you take your shoes off. It's I forget the name, but we take it's the, the yeah. you sit on the tatami mats. And Meg, thankfully for Meg, who learned Japanese, of course, Meg, like she did in China, where she learned Chinese, she learned Japanese before she goes to Japan. Yeah, it was it was so cool to be able. And we were sitting on the ground, this low table. Um, It was a little it was the temperature was off in that room. And so we needed to adjust the temperature. And uh, in very, very poor Japanese, uh, I think, told them that we were too hot. Uh, oh, and- well, you remember you had the um, th- there was a small air conditioner at the top and you had the remote control. Yes. So you were like trying to get out the Google thing to figure out what it was saying on the remote control so that you knew which direction it was going. It was a, a whole comedy of errors and a lot of fun all at the same time. It was a lot. And there was only one private room, I think, in that whole yeah. restaurant. Um, and there were lots of people there and I think they saw we were a group of five and they didn't have a five person table. So they're, well, might as well give them the private room. And I loved it. I loved it. Like there was basically like two things on the menu and it was just sort of how they prepared it. And it was wonderful. Um, that afternoon we went to the sumo experience and museum and learned sort of really where sumo wrestling began and the the history of the this very traditional um Japanese sport we had an, an exhibition of the sports uh beginnings we stopped we stepped into the uh dohyo the which is a um, a sand filled ring um and and got a demonstration of um sumo wrestling uh, which I thought was fun, and again, even sort of where that was, I love the architecture of some of the buildings. I I took, there was, I don't know why it sort of struck me. There was a, a an older woman tending to her garden outside, and I just sort of sat on the way back to the bus and sort of watched this this woman just tending meticulously to her garden, and I thought it was just 
you know, it was just a neat moment. Um, we went back to the hotel that night. And, you know, the one thing that's interesting is when you talk about Adventures by Disney, the quality of the accommodations is nothing less than five star. Um, they are exceptional. Um, two of the nicest hotels I've ever stayed at was the Rosewood in Beijing and the Potential in Tokyo. As we were getting to Takayama, which is sort of off the beaten path, you sort of have to sort of venture out to get there. They said, look, there's two hotels here. We're staying at the nicest one. It's called the Hotel Associa. It, we found out later on it actually was a hotel built by the government as a, a, a sort of a vacation destination for their employees and their workers. And after the recession in the 90s, it, it was losing too much money and they, and they sold it, I think, to – Hilton, um, and it has all that they said. Oh, it has um, a bowling alley and a game room and and karaoke rooms. But I understand why they sort of gave us okay. a little bit of, of a warning, because if The Shining was <laughs> took place in Japan, this would be Thanks the hotel. It. it was. It was. It's the set for The Shining. It is, man. It was oh, so man. trippy, like it was gold and. Like wood, wow. like wood, and I literally don't think they've updated it. I mean, it was very clean and it was lovely, but they haven't updated it since like 1973. Yeah, yeah, this was definitely not my favorite of the accommodations. <laughs> but as you know, over time, um, once you've done some ABDs that that cover tra- transverse a, a large area, inevitably you're going to end up with what they call the middle hotel, and I'm saying that in quotes. <laughs> Because there are several of these that have – oh, thanks for the reminder, Lou. I really appreciate that. Um, several several of the uh, itineraries do have this situation where you end up having to spend a night or two in an area. You're getting from point A to point B, but you have to spend the night somewhere. And so you get the middle hotel. This was definitely the middle <laughs> hotel. And I, you, I, I love you. I love you, Adventures by Disney. But man, <laughs> you guys can go in and invest something, even to get rid of the bed sheets would, or the the covers would be nice. But if this was the better of the two, be imagine what the other hotel was like. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, this was one of those where I think I texted Meg, or, or she texted was like, "This is definitely not what I would normally say is my cup of tea." With the hotel. There was literally a. Um, device on the floor that I don't know what it actually did. Uh, Even Google Translate couldn't translate the buttons, and I was afraid to touch it. It was an air conditioner or a dryer. I'm not sure. (laughs) Blue cold air, so that was fine. I thought it was a pants (laughs) press machine. No, no. (laughs) That that was definitely not it. But it was was stuck in maybe 1986, and it was 20 years overdue for remodel at that point. Um, however, the staff was amazing. Um, the food was interesting because it was definitely the, the tourist place where all the, the groups have to stop. So there was this strange little mishmash in their buffet of what Americans they think should eat <laughs> and maybe some stuff that some Japanese might like. And over there, some Chinese <laughs> might like that. And over here, the Australians might like this, but we're not really sure. But we'll keep it out anyway. Um, <laughs> but the saving grace was the karaoke room. We had 13 hours, 13 hours at this one hotel, because again, it was just a stopover. And Adventures by Disney wanted to do a thing for us, uh, for WDW Radio. Yeah? What wasn't at this hotel? Oh. Was it? Wasn't it at Hilton? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the wait. one with the onsen. Yeah. Oh, yes. you're right. I'm so yeah. sorry. You are correct. Thank you for... for um, Odawara. 
Yes, you're yeah. right. Tatiana I was going over the night. Event. Yeah. Yes, you're so right. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was okay with this Takayama Hotel only because it allowed us to go to Shirakawa Go. Yeah. So that made yeah. uh, And that's the And I was just going to say, there. it made – this was oh. – because of where you were going, it made the stop absolutely worthwhile. Um, so, so Allie, get into because because the next day we go to this historic village called Shirakawa Go, which, l- like like the hotel, <laughs> feels like it was locked in in a period of time not thirty years ago, but like hundreds of years ago. So, so take tell us a little bit about what the the village was like and why you liked it so much. Yeah. So that morning we did a walking tour of this town, and because this Shirakawa Go town is little more northern japan they get a lot of snow so all of their roofs were um made of i don't know if some sort of of bamboo or some sort of other um wood uh, but they were at like a 45 degree angle so that when it snows the snow runs off of them um and they were all the rest of the homes were made out of wood um which had been aged over time and just um like lou said just kind of stuck in time uh, even the landscape just looked like it had been uh, pulled out of a history book from long ago. So we got this amazing walking tour just from our guides. Um, and then we had some time on our own to kind of walk around and explore. The um, the thing about this was for me, it, it reminded me of home because they're, they're thatched roofs. And um, that's basically where I am in the country. Um, our roofs are thatched. Um, except I don't have the mountains. The mountains around there were gorgeous. Um, so that added to the actual view. But it was so beautiful and so, qu- again, so quiet. And we had a beautiful morning. I remember the morning was beautiful. Uh, the bike in the afternoon wasn't. I can remember getting soaking wet on that bit. Um, but that was the only time it, I think it was the only time it rained. Yeah. It was amazing for that whole period. But it was, I mean, it, it wasn't even bad. Us. It wasn't even like an uncomfortable rain. It was just a little no. bit of a. As I say, it didn't stop us. We went out to the top. We went to the, uh, I think there's a little river for coming down. Uh, stream that we all had a little drink from it and uh, enjoy. Oh, it's just wonderful. And they knew where to take us and everything. And the guide there again was telling us all about the rice that was that's been that was grown there. So we were getting all the different variations of rice they had um, on top of going on for a great bike ride. And the scenic, <laughs> the scenic scenes are oh, absolutely wonderful place to go. But before I'm that wearing bike ride, now, actually, I've still got the shirt on. That's the shirt. <laughs> I love it. But before that bike ride, though, we had an amazing lunch. Is this where we yes. went to, to? I call it grandmother's grandmas. attic. Yeah, we grandmas. went to grandmas. Yeah. So with, we with went to yeah. It, it's too. Oh. I mean, it literally was like in an attic. I mean, a, a very very tiny narrow staircase. You had to take your shoes off and walk up this narrow staircase to this sort of uh, a frame. The top of again with these very steep pitched roofs. Um, it, it, sitting on the the where are we doing? We sit on the were we sitting on tatami mats here? Maybe we, no, we were in chairs. We're in chairs. Mats. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. We were in the treasure. Okay, so there's here's a picture. Um, where this and it literally is like some little old lady like making lunch for us. <laughs> she's tight. She's shorter than you. You finally found somebody <laughs> who was shorter than you, and it was awesome. And you insulted her by not eating her smoked fish. Okay, it was a it was an entire fish with eyes that were staring at me, and I couldn't do it. So I'm sure it winked at you. 
I cut its little head off and then I handed it to Lou and he was, did you actually eat the fish head or did you just hold I it I didn't up to eat the head? fish head, but I ate the rest of the fish. Yeah. I remember I gave you the extra Did you guys eat your fish? Did you guys try the fish? Oh, it yeah. was delicious. Yeah. Oh it yeah. It was a whole, you know, maybe six, seven inch long fish. Go to Allie, try you, you ate it right away. Um, I didn't, I skipped the eyeballs and the head, but yeah, I ate <laughs> some of the middle. <laughs> So I don't feel so bad now because, man, when your food is staring at you, that's a whole nother experience altogether. <laughs> I, you know. But the service at that restaurant was so fantastic. And, you know, the the woman who was helping out, they called her grandma. And she had actually had the day off that day, but had served all of the other Adventures by Disney tours. And so called our guides and asked them if they would call the restaurant so that she could be put on the schedule because she was so excited to see us and to welcome us. And you could just feel that warmth um, just oozing out of her and the staff of that restaurant. It, it really did feel like we were eating at somebody's house. So I was going to ask you, Meg, because when we went to China, one of, I think, the most remarkable experiences is when we were invited into – someone's home to learn a traditional Chinese craft, I got that same feeling here that, yes, although this is a restaurant, it almost felt like it was this little, you know, sweet old lady's home and she invited us in to cook a meal for us. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it was, you know, uh, it was really, it really felt special. And I think she was also surprised that we were so excited to meet her. And we were, you know, people were taking pictures with her after the meal. And um, it was just, it was a really cool thing to be able to do. So what happens next? There, there's, yeah, there's this different, is my favorite part. Let's, let's oh, go oh, it is? dive right okay. on into this. So there was, there was a few <laughs> things that sometimes get lost in translation. So it was starting to drizzle outside. Uh-huh. James and Tomomi says, we're going to sort of walk up this hill. It's not very steep. It's not very long. <laughs> Both of those things were completely untrue. No, now, wait, wait, wait. Don't speak. I'm gonna, I am gonna. have to mute you really quickly. There you go. Okay. Because we all decided to walk up, except Becky, who took wait, the bus. I was not the only one that didn't walk you're up. The, the, for the point of the story, you're the – Allie, quiet. For the point of the story, you were the only one. Allie was there as to make sure you were being kept safe and not lonely. Okay, we were given the option to either ride the bus up or to walk up this hill with an incline, is how it was put to us. And it started to rain. So I think Ali and I went, yeah, why walk up there in the rain if we don't have to, right? Yeah, so we started. Yeah. Yeah. I heard something you. like, I don't walk. I, but, <laughs> and that's why when I was walking and up, I did my impression. neither do you. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing my impression of Becky. Oh, no, 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 no. There is a beautiful pic. Apparently, uh, this incline was a little too much for for some people. Um, It was maybe, you know, a little little difficult on those little legs to go up that, what was it, a 40-grade incline or something? I'll I'll give you a 10 or so. It was like like an 80-degree hill, like, oh, my God, falling boulders. It was awful. Raining. Now, I didn't get to see this, unfortunately, but thankfully, there's these awesome things called phones, (laughs) and people had pictures and video, and it was great because uh, when somebody came up to me, we were at the top of the hill, 
someone came up and said, did you hear what happened to Lou? And I'm like, oh my God, what happened to Lou? Uh, this is not where I want to to do the whole, we, we've been practicing eulogy and this is not where we want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're waiting and, and they went, no, you got to see what happened. He really couldn't make it up the hill. No, wait a second. The girls had to carry Just wait him. a minute. The <laughs> girl- I'm like, wait, you're, you're kidding me. And they went, no, no, the girls had to carry no, him. No, no, no. That's a bit picture. of an exaggeration. They it was a joke. I'm muting Becky they, again with they, it was a joke, and Meg and one somebody else decided Nicole. that it would be funny to. <laughs> Meg to I can just keep muting you, um, <laughs> Meg. You tell the, the story. <laughs> I mean, the hill was getting a little long. Yeah, it was. And and we were just talking about how it was getting a little long, and you know, you were saying you were getting a little tired from the hill. Oh, so we thought just help you out and. Just, you know, lift you up. Yeah. <laughs> Mind well, you, I awesome had just picture I had just of, saved of all women. those baby deer from the fire and I was a little tired. <laughs> so So Nicole and Meg picked him up and carried him up the hill. No, no, no. They carried me like two steps for purposes of of a picture. Let's not over exaggerate. <laughs> but when we got to the top of the hill, not only was there beautiful vistas, but there was more matcha ice cream. So. <laughs> more ice cream. Oh, God. I love that picture. Um, all right. <laughs> I'm going to make a poster of that picture. <gasps> I'm going to make T-shirts of that picture. Which nobody needs to see. Uh, and I'll also <laughs> I'll be sure to send out pictures of Becky in the bus. All right. So now this is where this is where my memory gets somewhat fuzzy. Isn't this where the group was divided into two? And some people yeah. were either able to do the countryside bike ride and other were able to do the guided food tasting walking tour of historic Takayama. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I yay got to do the food tour. Uh, Martin, did you do the who did the bike tour? Did you? Yeah, we did. BJ and Meg and me, we did the bike. Yeah. And, yeah okay. And so I, tell us, and, um, uh, tell us about the bike tour. Well, it started off well. It was really good. It was nice. And we stopped for pictures and we stopped and talked about the rice making and variations of rice around there. And then we carried on going up the mountain and then coming back, that's when we got a bit wet. Um, but it was so good, though. You didn't miss it. You should have done it. It was good fun. Yeah. We of, actually, of all I mean, the- they, they, they took us onto somebody's farm and we went and saw the Hida beef because we were in the Hida region oh. of Japan. And so we went and saw the cattle and we were among all of these rice patties and they showed us how the rice was harvested. Um, and then there was a uh, school was just letting out. And so um, there was a junior high uh, that was, that was getting out for the day. And so students were also riding their bikes home um, and very surprised to see us uh, riding around in their very rural neighborhood. And that was really fun saying hello to everybody. As they rode past. So, for those who didn't get to do that, um, this was my other, probably my second favorite uh, part of the of the entire trip was not just because it was a food tasting walking tour, but because I loved, 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 loved this historic Takayama Market District. Uh, we did have a guided tour with two local guides and stopped to learn how sake was made and sample some as well as 
uh, dumpling, dumplings and tofu and miso and, and some um, sweet treats and, and learned how to do uh, calligraphy as well. Um, we also got to have lunch on our own, which is one of the best meals that I had while we were here. Uh, and the, the the idea was that we were going to switch back and forth the next day. Whoever did biking was going to do the tour and whoever was going to do the tour did the biking. Um, I opted not to do the biking the next day because I loved the town so much. I wanted to explore some more um, on our own. Um, but just quickly before we get to the next day, and because I want to, we can sort of compare notes about the walking tour and some of the things that we got to do and see and eat and, and my favorite shop on, on the entire trip. That was the night, um, if I if I'm correct, the the infamous karaoke night. So again, this this hotel has nope. amenities nope. like no 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 that nope. was the nope. onsen nope. night. Nope. Oh, oh right right this oh that's right this was the it's onsen the next night. night. So yeah. explain Meg what to everyone what an onsen is. <laughs> oh goodness! So there are all of these natural hot springs in Japan, um, and the hotel we were staying at had been able to like harness this hot spring somehow and uh, funneled it up to the roof of the hotel, which is actually the the prettiest, most gorgeous part of that hotel. Um, and they had a series of pools and baths of this highly high mineral pools. Um, now, the only thing is in Japanese culture, you enter the onsen um, with no bathing suit. Uh, and instead, your birthday suit. Um, and there's a there's a ritual to before you get in, you have to wash yourself and take a shower, um, and then you can you know you're allowed to go in. And um, they're ve- they're very clear with us at the beginning that if you have any tattoos, um, even no matter how small, um, you are not allowed to enter. Uh, that uh, tattoos are taboo in Japan, and so. Um, but if after all of that, um, you take your shower and you scurry in hoping nobody sees you and uh, you're treated to this gorgeous view of the mountainside and it was open to the air and the air was cool and the pools were really warm. And it was I'm I was really scared to do it um, because this is not my culture, um, but I'm so glad I did. See, I ate too much heat of beef that night. I said no. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, did you do it? I did, but you remember what happened? We, you and I were talking about this, and you were like, I'm not going to miss out doing this. So I actually waited for you to post that you had been <laughs> up there first, and then I went. So I was like, yeah, because yeah, not I... going up there. And no one's seeing me in my birthday suit. So when so, I went up there, there were two gentlemen, and it was empty, and it was lovely. Yeah, and I think that was the thing. I, I My feeling was I'm not going to pass up this opportunity, and I remember – in in the um, in the one of the drawers in our room at the Overlook Hotel were these robes that you're supposed to wear when you go upstairs, and I was just I was concerned that anybody else was going to be there. If I I was ready to like just dash back to my room if I saw anybody else from the group. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I was the only um, I was actually the only non Asian gentleman there. I was in incredibly nervous and embarrassed but i'm like i'm gonna do this and actually found one of the pools i had to myself and i'm so 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 happy that i did i mean such right martin like such an incredibly 
going from something so awkward to something so <laughs> relaxing and comfort like I could have just sat out there for hours, but I got scared and ran back to my room. <laughs> I think it was I think it was after midnight that when I finally got up there and it was like I said, it was a couple of gentlemen left there. Um and the, the, I think there were three bath areas. Yeah. And all were empty. Um, and to be so clear, there's them. there's one floor for women, one floor for men. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Let's make sure that's clear. <laughs> but in that one floor was um, sectioned off areas of different baths and different types, and I can remember going through each one and trying them all out and loving the final one, which was the open view where you could see the mountains and just lying there thinking, "This is crazy. This is like it's nearly half past twelve at night. Lou's not around, thank goodness, and no one else can see me, and I'm having the time of my life in a very hot bath." It was fantastic. Great experience. You had to do it. It's yeah. just one of those things. You'd be, you'd regret it. I would have regretted it. Yeah, so absolutely. Bad. Absolutely. Um, scared as I I'm was. So I'm happy that. And I think, <laughs> I think, again, sort of a takeaway lesson is whether it's an experience like that, um, a, a meal, trying something different. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that the Adventures by Disney affords you the opportunity to do is, is take some of those little baby steps small risks to try something that you would never do otherwise but this may be your one and only time to ever get to do it and that's why when i do these i take full advantage of every opportunity like this when when they present themselves so you're right it's it's the same with the food as you mentioned before there are so many types that i've especially in the uk we don't get but i thought i'm going to try each one even the fish to cut your heads the head off and so forth um but they were not in large sizes of quantity, so it was nice. It was just sample tastes, and then yeah. you could choose: did you like that or not? But I was—I tried every single thing that was put in front of me, and certain things, yes, I wouldn't try again. But I wanted to make sure I'd done it because I'm never going to do it again, probably. Even if so it wasn't in front of me, I tried it. I went out of my way to yeah, go try things. That, yeah. yeah, get your hands <laughs> off. That's mine. You know, move off. Yeah, I was going to try everything in 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 sight. So the next day, um, again, it was still sort of drizzling a little bit. I didn't want to get soaked. So that's the end of part one of our Adventures by Disney to Japan recap and review. Obviously, there's a lot to cover after 11 days, not including Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea, which we'll certainly talk about in part two as well. Please be sure and tune in next week for the rest of our review, including the most interesting meal any of us had ever had anywhere, our time in Tokyo, how, when, and why I missed the bus one day, and of course, our time in Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you your thoughts about the first part of our Adventures by Disney. The best way is to go to our Facebook group at www.radio.com slash community and discuss part one of our Adventures by Disney to Japan there. What part did you enjoy the most? What part of Japan would you like to see? As well as any questions you might have about Japan and or Adventures by Disney. Thanks for listening. Be sure and tune in next week. time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or to see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes in what you see or hear, maybe even eat. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. 
So last week, I took you to the first floor of the Walt Disney World Railroad Station in Magic Kingdom, where, if you are observant, you can find a train bulletin hanging on the wall, which is actually a true hidden treasure, because the arriving and departing trains on each row pay subtle homage to a number of Disney films and characters, as well as some Disney legends and train aficionados. One of the destinations is Pendergast Plains, which is a tribute to what Disney film? That was your question last week. Well, first, I want to thank the hundreds of you who entered, got this one correct, or were incredibly creative in your answers. But if you said Pollyanna, you got it right, because that was the town mentioned in the next row, Harrington Hills. Now, Pendergast Plains refers to the character of Mr. Pendergast, and the trains that are departing for Sidden City and arriving from Hickory is a direct reference to the 1966 film Follow Me Boys, which has a character named Lemuel Siddons, who lives in the town of Hickory. You also find things from Absent-Minded Professor, Son of Flubber, there's Rutland College, Medfield. There's a lot of very cool... Look for Bullwhip Griffin, starring Roddy McDowell. A lot of cool things in there, but what I was looking for was Pollyanna. That is where... Pendergast Plains came from. So uh, last week you were playing for all of my digital products, which include my 102 ways to save money for and at Walt Disney World. All seven of my virtual audio walking tours of Magic Kingdom, where I sort of take you with me on a guided walking tour of Magic Kingdom's history, details, secrets, and stories. I'm also going to send the winner a WW Radio vinyl sticker, a WW Radio pop socket, a t-shirt, and a mystery prize. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Jesse Carpenter. So, Jesse, congratulations. You use the online form, so I have your mailing address. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, obviously, this question has to be Japan-related and, of course, food-related. Hi, I'm Lou. And I'm going to keep it simple and delicious, because just tell me, what is the name of the quick service stand on the World Showcase Promenade in Japan that serves the oh-so-very-delicious kakiguri, sushi, and Japanese sodas, beers, and sake. That's it. Just tell me what is the name of the quick service kakiguri stand on the World Showcase Promenade by Sunday, November 10th at 11.59 p.m. Just go to www.radio.com. Click on this week's podcast. Use the form there. Again, you're going to play for the book, the audio tours, the vinyl sticker, the pop socket. And I'm also going to give you a mystery prize that I brought back for you from Japan. So good luck. I mean the country, not the pavilion. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so very much for taking the time to tune in this and every week for your patience over the last couple of weeks. I know my travel schedule has been a little chaotic getting shows out every week. We are back on track, I promise you. In fact, I have some very cool episodes planned as well as live shows, not just from the home studio or Walt Disney World, but I'm going to be in London next week and then a special destination the week after. Definitely stay tuned. Also, it's the beginning of November, so when Walt Disney World terms, you know what that means. The Christmas season is in full swing. It is the most wonderful time of year. And time once again for the annual WW Radio Disney Ornament Exchange. So even though we all can't gather in person together for the holidays, we want everybody to feel special during this magical time of the year. 
And for that reason, we are bringing back the Ornament Exchange. If you're interested, all you need to do is purchase or create a Disney-themed ornament and send it to another assigned member of the WW Radio family, and you'll get one in return. It's going to be a great way to help share the extra special Disney spirit of the season. All you need to do is go to the WW Radio Box People group on Facebook. It's www.radio.com slash community. There you'll find more information about it as well as a post where you can sign up, let us know that you're interested, and then on November 14th, our WW Radio Elf will post the link and then email past participants in the Box People group. Then you'll have a week to sign up and participate, and then the Elfster will match everybody up, and then the ornament exchange will take place again. Go to www.radio.com slash community, find the interest post there, be sure and sign up, and then look for it to start again November 14th. Speaking of the Box People group on Facebook, that is where the community and conversation takes place. So again, please go and join. Be part of the community at www.radio.com slash community. It's fun. It's free. It's 100% family friendly. And I promise you, it's a very warm, very welcoming group of people there. And speaking of thanks and community, I want to thank some of the new and longtime members of the WW Radio Nation family, including some new members like Brittany Dijon. Emma Harmon, Frontier Land. I'm not sure if that's your real name, but I dig it anyway. Jason Acera, Debbie Brandstetler, Brian Campbell, Angela Jones, and Kevin Cooper. Welcome to the family. Thank you for joining some of the new and longtime Nation family members. And if you want to find out how you can not only help the show, but also get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts, we have a private Facebook group, custom Magic Band covers, logo gear, backpacks, t-shirts, monthly care packages from Walt Disney World. We also do exclusive live video group calls, early access and discounts to special events, and lots more. You can visit www.radio.com slash support. And please don't forget that while this is obviously completely optional and a great way to help show the support for the show, a portion of the proceeds from your contributions do go to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. And please don't forget, I don't want you to just listen to and consume the show. I really want you to be an active participant in it in however way you are most comfortable. So if you like, you can connect with me on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And again, don't forget to like the WW Radio page on Facebook as well as join the Box People group. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the show or maybe a suggestion for a future show topic, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com. Or if you want to call into the show, be heard on the air, call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1 with a question, a comment, or just a hello from the parks. And of course, as much as I love connecting and chatting with you online, nothing beats a handshake and a hug. It's why I continue to do monthly meetups in Walt Disney World. Thanks to everybody who came to our live show and meetup in October, our meet over wine and dine weekend. And by the way, congratulations to everybody on the WW Radio running team. If you want to find out how you can walk, run, walk, jog, or just come and cheer, visit WDW Run. I am going to be doing my next meet, not in the U.S., but in the U.K. I don't mean the pavilion. I mean the country. I am flying out to London this week to speak at a conference, and we'll actually be doing a meetup in London on Wednesday, November 13th. Again, if you go to www.radio.com slash events, you can find out more. Hopefully, join me out there. And the week after, I will also be live from a very special location 
and destination. So stay tuned for that. A little bit of tease. I also do other meetups, not just in Walt Disney World, but on the road as I travel to speak. And if I can come to speak to your event, conference, business, or school, or even work with you one-on-one to help you turn what you love into what you do, please visit lumangelo.com. There you'll find a number of different speaking topics that I can create and craft and tailor to your specific audience needs or how I can work with you one-on-one or in small group mastermind coaching. Again, you can find everything at lumangelo.com. And stay tuned because the 2020 dates and tickets from my Momentum Weekend Workshop and my Momentum Weekend Retreat in Walt Disney World are going to go on sale. Very, very stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. Thanks, as always, to Becky Mankin and the entire team at mousefantravel.com. They are my official recommended travel provider because it's who I use not just when I go to Japan, but really any destination on the planet. You can find them over at mousefantravel.com. And of course, go to celebrationspress.com to subscribe and order back issues to Celebrations Magazine. And as always, my friend, and you, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not. And all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it by tweeting out that you're listening or sharing a link to this or your favorite episode on Facebook. That's super helpful. Or better yet, take 30 seconds just to rate and review the show over on iTunes. Thanks to you, we have more than 2,000 five-star reviews. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Just TP, who says, Making the miles more merry. Says, in my job, I spent a lot of hours staring through a windshield, asking myself, are we there yet? Are we there yet? For the longest time, I depended on satellite radio to help pass the hours. And at the suggestion of my 24-year-old son, I started listening to podcasts as an alternative. I'm so glad that I did. Found W Radio and Lou. I always know that no matter how my day is gone, I can count on Lou's positive tone and outlook to lift me up. Thank you. That makes me feel so good. It's not that he's always unicorns and rainbows about all things Disney, but even when there's negative aspects to the topics, he doesn't present them with a negative tone. It's, oh, that hasn't always been my experience with other Disney podcasts and And even beyond Disney, I really appreciate Lou's very clear message of being the best you, having your best week ever, and loving what you do. To be honest, these can all be struggles for me, but every time I hear him discuss personal excellence, I feel more encouraged to keep on climbing. Thanks, Lou. Just TP, thank you so very much, man. That means, that email means more to me than you know. DWK the second says it's a great podcast. In fact, WW Radio is one of the best podcasts out there, especially from an edu infotainment perspective. Lou has a wealth of knowledge about the Disney parks. I didn't date very much, and he shares that information freely. Definitely a must listen for any fan of the Walt Disney World Resort and the restaurants therein. And E. Van Quill, I know you, Aaron, I dig you, said it's not your average Disney podcast. I've been listening to WW Radio for a few years now, and it's crazy I've never left a review before now. That is crazy. What? I can't recommend this podcast more highly for any Disney fan. The podcast is absolutely amazing and a must if you love Disney. Lou has such a profound way of connecting with others and truly making you feel like you're part of this huge, wonderful Disney family that he has created. Actually, you are part of the family, but you created it. His genuine love of what he does comes through in the podcast, not to mention the Facebook group, Instagram, and videos. It's so much more than a podcast. It's a Wow, it's a life-changing community. I don't read these ahead of time, so thank you, Aaron. Uh, Lou is a very... Oh, you're going to get me choked up. Lou is a very rare gem in this world, and he'll absolutely inspire you to be the best person you can be, to conquer your fear of following your dreams, and get the things accomplished that you always just saw as a pipe dream, and at the very least... The podcast is a fantastic way to make you feel as though you're sitting with him and his guests inside the parks talking about our favorite things about Walt Disney World and beyond. WW Radio and Lou, 
especially our bright rays of sunshine in this sometimes gloomy world that's guaranteed to bring joy into your wow uh, into your life every single day. Erin, uh, DWK, and Just TP, uh, I, I can't tell you um, how sincerely touched and honored and grateful I am for those um, and. Wow, um, <clears throat> voice ad, uh, reviews don't normally get me choked up, but I thank you to you and everybody else who's left a review on the show. Again, if you want to leave a review, just search for WW Radio and iTunes or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. I'll show you exactly how to do it. And to your point about wanting you to be the best you ever and trying to inspire you, because I am grateful to you for the gift and the blessing of allowing me to live such an amazing life and share the things I love with you. And to that point, I I want you to always remember that even sometimes if things are confusing, you have to trust that the dots are going to eventually connect. And what I mean by that is I was actually looking, uh, of course I was out to eat because where else would I be? And I was looking at the kids menu that had a a connect the dots game and, and realizing that, it can probably be intimidating or confusing, not just to a child, but to adults, because you see this sort of abstract of unrelated dots and have no idea how they're related or what they're going to eventually become. And I realized, like, that's a lot like life, right? And especially, you know, entrepreneurship, because I think we're often following or sometimes creating a a very circuitous path and one that doesn't always appear as though it's leading somewhere, right? We don't necessarily know where we're going, but those dots represent all the things that we're creating as well as the journey that we're on itself. And I think sometimes we have a destination and a goal in mind, and we have to trust that all of those dots are eventually going to turn into the realization of the design that we have in our minds and in our hearts. And as that image starts to develop, I think that helps us move forward with greater speed and in greater purpose. And look, sometimes we have no idea where those dots might lead, but we have to trust that they're eventually going to develop into a very beautiful picture. So whether you are deliberately connecting your dots on the path that you're creating or just trusting that everything you do and experience is going to become something beautiful, just have faith in the journey. And I promise you, the dots will eventually connect. And if there's some way I can help connect them for you, please let me know. I truly do hope that this is your best week ever. I love and appreciate you more than you know. So until next time, see ya. Hey, Lou, Steve from Boston, Massachusetts, Colin. Uh, just calling after the uh, top ten little things you miss in Walt Disney World, and I cannot believe that in uh, two whole episodes, neither you nor little Timmy Foster uh, brought up the Barker Bird from outside Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, miss that little thing every time I walk through the arches to go on the ride. Uh, I'm a fan of the uh, updates overall, but man, I just I miss the Barker Bird every time I see he's not there. Love the show, and uh, hope to catch you next time I'm down in the world. All right, catch you later, Lou. Bye. Hey, Lou. It's Christine Morrison from Flower Town, Pennsylvania. It is Thursday night, you know, my round, and I was listening to show 89. That's how far back I am. I'm working my way backwards, and I'm almost done. So close. Um, anyway, I had an idea for a top 10. It's, I don't know what you guys think of it, but anyway, I'm just going to tell you. I, you know, I work in the animal field, um, veterinary medicine, and I was thinking 
about how many dogs there are that are Disney characters, and I thought it'd be really cool top ten to do the top ten dog character Disney characters. And if you think about it, there's a lot of them. But anyway, um, I thought that would be kind of cool, or just you know, or not. But that's my recommendation for a top ten. And I have four weeks until I go down for my business trip, um, and I get to have a little bit of free time to myself. But I don't even care. I was just happy to be there. Anyway, have a great weekend, you guys. Uh, tomorrow's Friday. TGIF. Everybody made it through another week. Woo-hoo! You have so many things coming up. Blue, you've got your indie meet, and you've got your momentum, which I wish I could go to. And you've got uh, Japan coming up and London. I am so jealous. I was hoping to catch you guys for the October meet, but it doesn't sound like you're going to be able to have one because when I'm there, you'll be in Japan. Have a wonderful weekend. Try and get a couple hours of sleep, Lou. I don't know how you do it. Take care, everybody. Make someone smile. Bye. Hello, Lou Mangello. It's Gabby Naldo from Columbia, Maryland. I am just calling you on my way home from my first day back to work after spending 14 nights on the Disney Magic. Joe and I did the back-to-back cruises seven nights through Norway and then followed by the seven nights through the British Isles, and it was amazing. And I have a horrible case of PDD post-Disney depression. Um, I just wanted to give a huge shout-out to Becky Mankin and her team at MEI Mouse Fan Travel, um, particularly Sarah Varney. She was our agent who helped us book this trip, arrange our room so we didn't have to move in between cruises, and she was just an absolute pleasure to work with. So I highly recommend her and all of MEI um, for your um, vacation planning needs. Thank you so much. Hope you have a great week. I think you guys are at the Edison tonight. Have fun, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Hello, Lou Mandela. This is Brian Rainey uh, from Kansas City, Missouri. Haven't called you in a while. I've been here since January, so I don't like to call every day because only when I'm at the park. But anyway, I'm sitting here at Magic Kingdom. Um, been here about four days. I'm on a five-day trip. I got to see Galaxy's Edge last night. Brought the Millennium Falcon. Um, just got off Splash Mountain. I'm gonna go to Epcot a little bit. Or they're about to start the Halloween party at Magic Kingdom, but I'm not staying for that. I'll go over to Epcot for a little bit, buy some cookies or something. And that's it. Just want to let you know where I am. Just have a good time and try to call you tomorrow. See ya. Hello, everyone. It's Darlene Aggie from Davenport, Florida. I am calling in with the countdowns of the different events coming up. I know we got the momentum in a few weeks. We have Japan coming up. New Orleans is going to be after that. And I think there's a room left on the cruise ship. I so wish I could go, but at this time, I really can. Then, of course, look for the meets of the month and everything else that's going to be coming up that Lou's going to be announcing. I know he's got things up his sleeve, like always. Have a magical day, and I'm calling in from sunny Florida. Talk to you real soon. Love and hugs. 